You are listening to Ace Comicals. I'm Greg Driver. I'm joined by Rahul Johnny and Leon Everett. Let's go! And welcome. The bat is broken. Gotham is firmly in the venom-enhanced grip of Bane. What comes after? A new, more deadly Batman? The birth of a darker, more violent guardian of Gotham? A reckless zealot hell-bent on exacting vengeance and justice? Almost like the Batman in his prime, but loosed from his moral code. Fully enveloped by the darkness and the mission. Is this what the fans wanted? DC writers now have the space to play with ideas based upon the popularity of the anti-hero and, I mean, the possibility that the fans maybe would have wanted this. I mean, they didn't like the suit design, but yes, we're here with uh, Ace Comicals Presents Nightfall Part 3, and uh, we are in Asbat territory. Can't stop now, this is Asbat country. Uh, Joining us today is Marv. Hello, everyone. And uh, the usual co-hosts, Leon and Ray. Hey, guys. Hey, peeps. So, yes, uh, we are here to discuss the next portion of the Nightfall saga, which is... um, Who Rules the Night? Um, Beyond that, we are also going to be dipping into some other stuff. So, I feel, or I felt, to explore... What happens next beyond the breaking of Bruce Wayne? We must first return to the origin of the man who takes up the mantle to give some context. So what we're going to do at the beginning of this episode is we're going to dip our toes into Sword of Azrael, which is the four-issue um, origin arc of your boy John Paul Valley or Azrael. Um, we're going to kind of like get into why... <laughs> the why of it the, the the system and everything else so this is just basically going to give some context into into the 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 man who undergoes the metamorphosis of mind and rises from the embers deadly violent and hungry so this is this is why we end up with asbat this is this is the secret ingredient the special sauce the pinch of whatever that goes in the stew that is what makes what happens next happen um so we should start with Sword of Azrael, uh, number one. And, uh, so Sword of Azrael was released across October, uh, well, started in October 92. It was, uh, 92 to 93 into January. And, uh, this was written by Dennis O'Neill. Uh, pencilers were, uh, Joe Quesada did all the pencils. Ink, inks by Kevin Nolan. Uh, your colorist was Laverne Konzerski and, uh, letters by Ken Brusenak. Um, and it was edited by Archie Goodwin. Now, this is kind of like a window into what and who Azrael is. So this gives you some idea. It's a little bit about the anti-hero himself. It's like... Um, a comic that is super of its time. For me, the character of Azrael kind of typifies the late 80s and the early 90s. He's an anti-hero hell-bent on justice, uh, conditioned to be an assassin from an early age, like, 
just just the amount of edge on him you would bleed if you picked him up kind of thing he's just covered in spikes and he's he's mean looking he's this big techno knight with like just everything about him is like super late 80s early 90s with the design of the character and everything else and even like in within the origin like the the fact that he is conditioned to be an assassin from an early age using a form of hypnotism and subliminal messaging dubbed to the system um and this four issue run comes at a time that some would consider the peak of the dark age of comics in the early 90s so this lean towards edgy anti-hero types and the darker more violent side of things around that time isn't too uncommon uh with what was happening at the time like the, the kind of like i'll probably use this word more often in the cast than i want to but the zeitgeist like the, the kind of like the feeling and the thinking of the time where with where where heroes and comics were concerned um this is where i believe this whole thing with nightfall ultimately stems from the fact that this popularity that had sort of exploded with this type of character and DC editors and, and uh, writers and things like wanting to explore this territory and wanting to see whether people would be, whether fans that liked this, you know, fans were buying this type of stuff. They were buying these comics. Maybe they, maybe they'd want a Batman that was a little bit more brutal, a little bit more violent. Um, and they would test the waters with that, I guess, which is which is what Nightfall gave them the excuse to do, taking Bruce off the board. Um, like, not fully, but, you know, putting him out of action for a while and letting somebody else wear the cowl and, and then basically then presenting that to the fans and being like, do you like this? Is this what you want? Is this, is this your Batman? Um, so, yeah, I mean, we'll start with Marv. So, Marv, I mean, uh, let's get your feelings on Sword of Azrael. In in general, an overall feeling of it? Yeah. Um, in general, and I want to be very gentle with this, I am not a fan. <laughs> <laughs> now, you see, you see, I didn't think you would be. And I, you know what? It has its flaws. And the, the writing is not very well paced. It's, um, I don't know if it feels rushed. Story-wise, like, it just feels like there's not enough time for the plot to kind of expand and grow. And it's like there's huge swathes of it that I feel could do with a little bit more, um, like, elaboration or explanation. Um, hmm. I think there are other comics of the time that are a little bit like this as well. Um, and I know that if I had been a eight nine year old kid at that time i would have snapped this up because of just just looking at the covers and looking at what azrael looks like i know i would have been into it and it would have been it's it's like flash over substance hmm. um and but i can appreciate it now coming back to it and and looking at what what we know with nightfall and what we know happens and how it all fits together as a piece of the puzzle i can appreciate why it's how it is and what happened and um yeah i mean what do you think of the art actually see the art is one of the good parts for me um apart from bruce wayne's face um the art all all round um i think is fantastic um <clears throat> A lot of the pencils and colours and everything, they really sort of jump out at you. There's there's massive amounts of detail. Even um, there's a part that made me laugh at the beginning. Like one of my first notes that I put down is just like, 
Did he really just smoothly land on a horse and trample these uh, reporters after being fatally shot 20 times? But, but that page where he does land on the horse and trample the reporters, there's so much going on. There's so much detail put into it. There's like, there's um, one tiny panel where there's just the two microphones and like, there's just all this sort of blood and grit rendered in just pink and black. Beautiful, beautiful panel. And there's stuff like that throughout these four issues. Um, so visually, again, apart from Bruce Wayne's face, uh, there's not much issue that I can have with it. It was a, a very pretty co- comic to look at. Doesn't the like shit-eating grins of the reporters kind of remind you of like the boys a bit, especially of what happens next? Oh, I love yes. it. I love it. Yeah, hundred yeah. <laughs> percent. Yes, it's that, it's that Gen X nihilism. Yeah, it's it really. Is. It really is that Gen X nihilism coming through there. And um, that's that's kind of what all these comics were about at the time. It was it was feeding into that, you know, that grunge era Gen X kind of mentality. And it really does show itself, doesn't it? It really does show, especially in the way those reporters are drawn. And um, like, I really do. I actually really like the art in this in this origin story, like Joe Casada's art, who I, I, t- I associate him more with Marvel because of the copious amounts of stuff he's done with Marvel editor-in-chief of marvel for a while but like he has this very there's this very modern look about it and it, it makes the comic look very marvel hmm. like the first thing you notice on opening this is it doesn't feel like a dc book does it? it it feels like a marvel book and i think that it, it i i this is joe quesada's art like just basically just coming through and his his style is very very of the time Hmm. And very modern compared to a lot of the other stuff that DC were putting on the stands back then. Like this is just like a complete different, completely different beast altogether compared to other comics of the time that were DC. Like DC, it, this edges more towards the kind of like sur- this, the more kind of like cartoon abstract edge of things, where like usual DC fare kind of sticks to realism a lot more. And you can really see there's like these like there's such a more than a shade of like Mignola influence there as well like in my humble opinion like you can feel the Mike Mignola on there like because it just it's the absoluteness that he uses between light and shadow in these pages and like combined with like Kevin Nolan's inks as well it really does become something super cool Hmm. like as a kid I've been all over it Uh, this this badass tech knight sharp edges flaming blades (laughs) it's like yeah it's it's and it has such a Marvel look, which is something that I think is quite unique and yeah, I quite like it. Um, yeah, Leon. So feelings on Sword of Azrael. Overall, I mirror Marv quite a bit. Where um, story-wise, it doesn't doesn't work for me like completely. And while I'm grateful that, it, um, like from my perspective, I'm reading it after having read Nightfall before, and I'd never read this stuff, so I'd never had this context. And from that part, it's kind of cool. But even though it's earlier, because I'm reading it, it does feel like a prequel. And in that sense, it suffers from prequelitis, even though it isn't a prequel, which is which is weird. Like, in, in the in the normal term that we speak of, like a prequel. Yeah. But it, it does have these elements of story where I'm just like, yeah, like... Like, the content there is, like, 
pulpy comic book stuff, which is fine. But it's as, as you mentioned before, Greg. It's the the pacing which doesn't quite uh, land as much for me, and and the structure. But taken like from a art only perspective, I think it's, it's a, I think it's a gorgeous book. Oh, yeah. it is. Really, I is. think like the uh, is it Kinzerski who did the colors. Uh, Kinzerski uh, did the inks. Uh, d- 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 uh, Laverne Kinzerski. Oh, yeah, colorist was Le- Laverne Kinzerski. Yeah, yes. sorry, Kevin Nolan was inks. Carry on. I, I think that yeah. um, they do a, a great job. Uh, there's a lot of fire, there's a lot of like uses of blinding light, like muzzle flares and, and, and things of that nature, uh, blood, and all of it like rarely pops like like i mentioned the uh the reporters who <laughs> get trampled like just the color in in the lady's blonde hair and the parade in the background it's all rendered like it just pops off the page and it doesn't in, in ways it feels more modern so in, in ways that i i can feel i can exactly feel the context of it and it's this like extreme error. Um, you you mentioned Marvel before, and I'm, I'm getting yeah. shades of like Venom and Wolverine type comics. Yeah, uh, but but also there is a, a cleanness to to the panels that I quite like, and the use of shadow is great. And while I agree with Marv that I'm not the biggest fan of uh, Bruce and Batman's face. I do love when the other dude has the cowl on and he just has the 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 wild, crazy eyed grin. Cracking <laughs> yeah, up yeah, every yeah. time. And this is wearing the cowl, yeah. See, like you you mention um, like Wolverine and uh, X Men and stuff, and like uh, so you look at the you look at you look at Casada's Marvel credits. You've got Amazing Spider Man, Daredevil. Deathlock, uh, Iron Man, like Midnight Suns, Marvel Legacy, Miracle Man, or uh, Sensational Spider Man, Sleepwalker, X Factor, X Fifty One, like he's just he's done so, and he's done covers for loads of Wolverine books. Like, so I'm not surprised that you 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 see that because you kind of like associate that stuff. Like the way that you would associate him with those characters and the way that you you are getting shades of that, I'm not surprised at all. Um, Ray, Sword of Azrael, what do we make of it? And and do you have like any, because you being the newcomer to all of this, Hmm. like, do you have any, like, does this like shed any light on things for you? Does this give you the context that I was hoping it would give you? Yeah, I have some thoughts on this. So I'm um, just jumping off uh, from what Marvin Leona said already. I'm kind of leaning towards where they are. I didn't, I didn't really enjoy this book that much. But again, taking out the story stuff, focusing on the positives, all the artwork is great. Like everything you guys have all just said, basically. Like I love how vibrant it is, how it's just a little too busy in places, but that kind of keeps you engaged on the page. And like there's a dynamism to to a lot of it, where these you know these action lines popping off in the background and stuff, and like. I noticed all the um, like the elemental stuff, 
so like flame, steam, smoke, all of that stuff is rendered really well. And I, I loved like how that was all put together. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, it felt like an unnecessary book. Like I, at some point halfway through, and I text you about this, I was feeling like I didn't know how necessary this was to the story. And I read this after I finished um, the second part of Nightfall that we're going to talk about. And like, I was expecting the reason you told us to read this was because it would shed some light onto uh, like Jean's um, psyche during Nightfall. But I don't think it does. Like, I think it's, it's interesting context for Azrael's origin, obviously, but I don't think it's really necessary for Nightfall. Like I got everything I needed to know about Azrael for Nightfall from Nightfall, all the stuff about Sandomar and like the system, etc., And like, all of the detail of his backstory doesn't really inform his behavior in Nightfall, or if anything, it kind of contradicts it because it explains where he gets his talent and capabilities and stuff from, but it doesn't really explain, and like mild spoilers for what we're going to talk about, you know, in like half an hour or whatever, but it doesn't explain why he's seduced or foolhardy when he's dressed as the Batman or when he's like, you know, acting in that, that capacity. I'm... And like, I was a little bit let down by how it didn't inform the, the story it was built on, I think. I'd agree. I'm going to counter that point with mm. the fact that I feel uh, I'm going to pull some some bits from the Azrael books. There's points here where uh, there's a line where he says um, something along the lines of when he puts on the mask, he's no longer in control. When he's wearing mm-hmm. the Azrael mask, mm. the face of Azrael. Now, uh, with the conditioning and with everything else, with the system and the way the system works, um, that he is he you know that if he's told his purpose and then he fulfills his purpose but then obviously by the end of this book the order of saint damas is pretty much like you know he is it pretty much there's no one else left um so where does he go from there and of course bruce is his next his next teacher his next master and then beyond Mm. that he starts to pick up the um the habits and everything of batman and the teachings of batman through uh robin which is the training he receives in the prior portion of nightfall that we've already talked about um and then like there's lines um throughout like uh Azrael does not protect Azrael avenges hmm. and and all these lines that explain that you know just these little looks into his behavior like Azrael does not explain you know like these little things that these little kind of like things that we're getting about how Azrael should behave and, and how, what the system, because this, all, all Azrael's doing is, all this guy's doing is making him give in to the system. The system's already there. This, um, these, these other guys, um, that are part of the order, this, um, this dwarf guy and, and whatever, they're not teaching him anything. Like it's all there in his head. They're just making him give in to it. Hmm. You will be a formidable, a formidable angel of vengeance things like that so as you sort of like skip through and you pick up on these certain little lines these certain speech bubbles it kind of all starts to fit together maybe i'm looking at this way too closely no i mean i I think that's fair enough like i i obviously didn't read into it that far but i think the thing the sense that i was left with was i wish i'd kind of just let the mystery be um because like I, i didn't have Uh, anything filling in the gaps in my knowledge when I was reading Nightfall. And I went into this thinking that some of the reveals would um, embellish what I got from Nightfall or some of the, you know, like what was the system or uh, why, why does he behave in this capacity? Like, what does it allow him to do? 
and in this, it doesn't really go far enough, or it doesn't it doesn't add anything to his character in Nightfall. If anything, like I was saying, I feel like it takes away some of the mystery and it reveals that he's not fully in control of himself, or you know, his uh, training didn't go as deep or as interesting as I hoped it would. Because one of the notes I have is uh, the thing that I think sort of Azrael is missing is that there's not enough of the system because that's kind of what I wanted. Like when you go back to a prequel for something like this where there's a mythos built around it you want to see how the mythos was built and that's what we got from uh prelude to nightfall i think i think that did that better than this does and it's they're doing different they have different objectives but whatever like i love that trope of um you know people who've got this uh intense mystical infused training or like this conditioning and then they suddenly have you know have it awoken and untapped and realize they they have these abilities. But the idea of him having all of that like innate in him, but his body's not ready for it yet, I thought they would explore that more. And I hmm. they just didn't. And it's it's fine. It's just maybe the book wasn't delivering these, what I wanted. Yeah. But yeah. These are the portions where I, I, I feel it's rushed. Hmm. Um but I, I feel like all this, uh, this, this, the, the, the content, the, 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 the explanation of what the system does and the way Azrael behaves, it's all, no, that's what Nomos is there for throughout this book. Like, it's all in, uh, there's a, a particular page that I love, which is kind of like the whole page is Nomos's face, but then over it, there's like laid out like other, like, uh, um, other panels like with Alfred because they're having a conversation with Alfred and, uh, like, there's, there's another couple of lines here that that kind of explain Azrael's behavior later on. Uh, Azrael is not decent. Azrael is not humane. Azrael is an instrument of righteous cruelty. Now, if if anything, like that's what he's becoming when we get into the the stuff that we're going to talk about in a moment. But uh, Marv, sorry, I kind of like I didn't let you. Ca- what were you going to say? Oh no, no, I, I was gonna, I was literally going to sort of just continue because I feel like me and Rahul are basically making the exact same point. Um, and to jump off of what Leon said as well, I'd never read Sword of Azrael as well, so to me it was read almost as a prequel too. Um, Azrael, John Paul Valley, um, in the Nightfall story, um, you can kind of see that he's um, he's humble around Bruce, um, but then like the second that he gets the cowl, he just he's all ego. He's all ego. The only instruction he's given is don't go after Bane, and then that's all he wants to do. Like mm-hmm. any time that Robin um, pushes back slightly, he's like, I don't need you, kid. Like did it, just pure rage and ego and anger. The jawline that he's drawn with is just like I am alpha male. And then you look at like flashbacks in Nightfall of um, him when he first you know learns of his past and stuff, and obviously him throughout this book, and he's just like small weedy guy really really like a moral person a person who cares about people until the system makes him kill Mm. and in nightfall it's like you almost want that jekyll and hyde if that's what is presented in sword of azrael you'd almost want him to show that dichotomy a little bit more whereas it's like the system kicks in and he's more violent than he would normally be. And what you were saying about, like, he puts on the mask of Azrael and the system kind of just takes over. And it's almost mirrored by him putting on the cape and cowl and he becomes meaner than Bruce was as Batman. But that doesn't explain why he's such a dick to Tim in the back in the Batcave when he's yeah. not wearing any clothes. He's just like, get the fuck out. This is my he, house. He falls into <laughs> it completely. He's been given the cave. He's been given the tools. And... Yeah, I mean, we're going to get onto this, but like, 
obviously <laughs> Harold has decided he's not going to help him and he's just going to sit in a quiet corner of the cave eating beans with Ace. But, uh, <laughs> you know, yeah, just... that's the thing because I thought I had missed something mm. with how how um like from how his personality is later on. I thought I'd missed something completely because the personality change is, is so striking and in like part one we don't really get that to to that degree. So mm. it made um sort of Azrael weird and like when I say prequel I also mean like in the negatives of what you mean of a prequel with like a lot of the time it's either over explaining stuff that doesn't really need to be explained uh, and like gets rid of the mystery uh, as like Rahul was saying and and you have many instances of that like like just solos and stuff like that but then it also has the thing of like in the same way that a lot of prequels just feel like a cash grab to give you more of what you wanted I get elements from this and it's that's wild because this came before but it doesn't I feel like the I feel like there's a lot left on the table in regards to what the the system and and like Azrael what it all like means and its implications and even it it's set up it 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 does very much feel like a type of like side story one shot rather than a guy who's going to be important in the next massive arc. It's, it's weird. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and mm-hmm. I feel I, I feel that comes as the fact that, because obviously this was his introduction, this was his four-issue arc. And like, okay, so Azrael's introduced, Azrael is now brought into the, the Batman mythos, as it were, and then after that is when he becomes more important. But obviously I wanted you guys to see his introduction and to obviously... I mean, whatever it was I wanted from this has obviously gone down like a lead balloon. Because <laughs> I wanted you guys to to see Azrael's introduction into the Batman mythos and to look at and probably notice some of the things I've noticed in regards to the way um, Azrael behaves and the way that that is alluded to and foreshadowed in this earlier comic in the things that Nomos is saying and it, about you know, the behavior of Azrael, this righteous instrument of like, or this instrument of righteous cruelty or whatever. But like, I just, I don't know. <laughs> I obviously failed. Like, at least you all like, at least you all thought it looked pretty. I mean, yeah, I love like, the really fluid artwork and the nice flames I, and everything, but. I want to jump back in and say that you, you didn't fail. It's shown us, it's shown us another, another angle on things. Yeah. Cause like one of my biggest issues with this, like as as a four issue story arc, one of my biggest issues with this is the writing, treatment, and depiction of Batman himself, of Bruce Wayne. Because, like, one of my notes is um, that all the way through, Bruce is just out of character, completely out of character. Like he's yeah. snarky. Like Batman can be snarky. Batman has been snarky throughout history, yeah. but he is like weirdly snarky in this and super incompetent like just doing things that like i remember when we were talking about batman venom and one of rahul's criticisms of it was like why is batman doing the things that batman's doing and like i didn't feel that in that story but in this story i like the any time that bruce wayne is on panel i'm like 
who is this man? This and, isn't Bruce Wayne. And um, like, and, and and it's the thing of um, yeah. there's there's two things that are happening with Bruce Wayne's depiction in this uh, as story points. They are disempowering Bruce to make way to uh, let Azrael shine, to let Jean-Paul shine. And they are highlighting Jean-Paul as a new character. And there are way, there are hundreds and hundreds of stories that find way more interesting ways to disempower their main character and way more stories that find interesting ways to highlight a side or new character. I mean, there's like, there's huge, there's, Robin has a, a stand like Tim Drake's Robin has a standalone series that he um, stars in. And those stories are brilliant. And they still managed to do the thing of like, this is a, a kid who is trying to find his way, is trying to live up to a legend of someone who is above him without it being like the person who is above him is a bumbling oaf to make Robin look better. You know, yeah. I don't know. There's something about the way that Bruce is captured, the fact that Bruce stays captured for so long, like when the explosion happens and uh, Azrael has to save him and he's like, oh, the lack of food, the drugs, I'm so weak. I'm like, after having read the gauntlet that he went through after all of the uh, inmates in Arkham, I'm like, a little bit, like, a lack of food and some ether uh, is not, like, this isn't the Batman that I've just finished reading in another story, you know what I mean? Mm. Yeah, mm. yeah, I know. Yeah, I mean, this is, this is Dennis O'Neill, right? This is the guy, like, you look at his list of Batman credits, it's absolutely enormous and <laughs> this is the guy that that created Ray al ghul hmm. right and he's like one of the most he's like a celebrated batman writer okay like dennis o'neill is like widely regarded as one of the the better batman writers but then i i don't know <laughs> like <laughs> I, can, I don't. I, want you to, I don't you want you to feel mean. like this is an attack. I don't want you to feel like this is. No, an no. Attack. I don't. I don't feel like it's an attack. I'm. I'm trying to <laughs> to kind of like because I. I can see what you mean here. That this is probably some of his weaker work, for sure. Like, Just in, in 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 my case particularly, it is purely in regards to Batman himself. Yeah. Like the story, the story is weak. The pacing is is like like off kilter but i can i can stomach that in a comic book uh like especially if it's a four issue miniseries i can really really i have no issue with bad pacing if the story overall hits with me but the depiction of bruce wayne and the lines that they give him the weird run-on sentence framing device that starts every issue like it all just grated on me in a weird way i just didn't gel with it at all yeah i think it's 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 the time (laughs) Let's let's blame it on the dark age of comics. Let's blame it on the early nineties and the, the late eighties. Let's blame it on let's blame it on, you know, them trying to do this anti hero thing. <laughs> let's blame it on that. But no, yeah, it's uh yeah, I, I agree with you. I mean this is and and um yeah, it's it's Dennis O'Neill and this is definitely his weaker work, I, I must agree. Um but yeah, so the whole point of that was I wanted you guys to take some context away from it for John Paul's behavior and to, to kind of like pick up on these things. This this like Azrael doesn't protect Azrael Avengers kind of thing and, and all of that stuff. Like he, he's the avenging angel. He's the instrument of righteous cruelty. No one is innocent. Another key line that I picked up. Like and, and all of that feeds, it starts to come out of him again when we get him later on in the next bit that we're going to talk about. And I, I just feel like it it just, it it kind of like, it gives you some missing pieces for the jigsaw puzzle. And you can see that 
like in this this next portion that we're going to talk about and the reason he starts behaving like he behaves is because he's been given a new mission he's been given a new mask he he is now because he's been groomed to be batman he's been conditioned to be batman on top of the conditioning he's had to be azrael right and and so this is where we get asbat from like asbat this this dark knight this avenging angel on a crusade for justice asbat does not protect asbat punishes <laughs> like it's it's that it's it's that thing it's like he's combined bruce's philosophy and perverted it with the system to create this amalgamation this dark angel that swoops from the skies and beats the living daylights out of people like in a really brutal way and has no regard for bystanders or victims it's like i'm not interested in helping the victim i'm interested in getting some kind of like visceral punishment done on this dude kind of thing it's 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 all there from the beginning um and there's always like you know he's on the the light like he's willing to let people die he's willing to kill to to achieve his goal which is which is ultimate justice which is what he's the path he's been set on by bruce at this point and and by like bruce getting tim to show him the ropes like bruce has added a layer to the system as it were hmm um i feel because i mean you got to think like we can't say that, that bruce wayne is entirely innocent in any in any shape or form because you got to think the way like i mean i'm going off topic a little bit now but you got to think like the way that he um you can look at it the way he takes in these orphan children these robins right and then he brainwashes them into his uh his mission his war and gets them like like not well not just orphans because tim's not an orphan but like he gets them into this uh they want to help and he gets them into this mission he he brainwashes them into his war with his way of thinking and his way of doing things Hmm. i guess and it's it's almost like it's i guess there's almost like a layer of the system to it in the way that bruce kind of like instills certain thoughts or philosophies onto people that orbit him yeah i I do see that and i I see that um in john paul uh in john paul you you kind of have the most extreme version of that like what happens when uh, bruce's system goes wrong or when the 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 robin or whatever the sidekick is um is not as disciplined as the others as not as not taken up the dogma like like the others and in 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 that sense thematically it does it does work what this is also interesting in a way is this is what we might have seen had jason todd not been killed hmm. a few years earlier what if what if azrael had been jason todd right and and what if Jason Todd had been given the cow? Do you think we'd have a similar a similar thing going on? It it would track almost exactly because there's no way that Jason Todd would choose Nightwing over Batman. Like he'd want the cape and cowl, and he would beat some guys to death in the back alleys as well when he had it. Of course he would. That was one of the one of the main problems Batman had with him in the beginning was the fact that he was he was unruly and undisciplined, and he was he had he he. He had that meanness about him, which is what we're also seeing in in John Paul at this point. Hmm. Um, So I think it's now time to move on to who rules the night. So 
that was the first portion. We were discussing uh, Sword of Azrael, which is a four-issue arc, which um, the other three won't, but I will. I'll recommend you pick it up and read it if you're going to be doing uh, the Nightfall read. I think I think it's it's something that helps with the Nightfall read. The other three guys here are going to disagree with me. Well, I would recommend it just because the art is good. It is a very pretty book to look at, definitely. I, I, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's so pretty because it's Joe Casada, and we all love bit Joe Casada. We love his Spider Man work and his, his Daredevil work, especially. Like, I love, I love me some, some Joe Casada Daredevil. Um, but like, it's, yeah, it, it's something where I feel that while not entirely integral to Nightfall, it is within the orbit of Nightfall and probably something that makes sense to read the same as Batman Venom. I guess, I guess you could look at it in a similar capacity to that. Maybe less so than Venom a little bit. I don't know, but yeah. Um, and so moving on, we begin part three, who rules the night? We begin with detective comics, six, six, four titled who rules the night. Now, um, this is the one where we open the book and this is the panel that we left off on last time, isn't it? That really brutal panel of uh, Batman lying broken in the street, surrounded by onlookers with sneering grins and, and just, you know, like some of them care. Some of them are like almost happy this has happened. Like there's the dude in the red baseball cap who has this very, very kind of like wry smile going on like, hey, Batman got his. Now my, uh, you know, whatever it was he was doing that was a bit naughty is going to be fine, whatever, you know, it's like, it's, you can, like, it's, it's such a brutal panel. I think the, the, this, this one panel is just the thesis of the entire story, basically. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, this is it, this is it, right, I could, I could write a thesis about this one panel, uh, (laughs) regarding Batman and, you know, like, him as a hero and and like i've talked about in the previous um previous portions of this when we've discussed it his his standing among almost literal gods as a man and keeping up with them and now you know we see how how his he how fragile he actually is like this is his his this is how fragile he is on display. This is like Batman is just a man. And it's all right here because Batman can be, Batman can bleed. Batman can fall like any other man. And I guess that's what makes him so compelling as a character to me sometimes as well. The fact that he stands toe to toe with these, these superpower beings, these gods. And yes, he's got money. Yes, he's got all the tech in the world, but, He's still only a man and he's not like somebody because people compare him to Tony Stark. They compare Bruce Wayne to Tony Stark all the time, but he's not like Tony Stark because he doesn't, he doesn't insulate himself with the technology, the armor. He, he, he's out there in spandex. (laughs) Like the most he has is like, it's a little bit fire retardant or it's a little bit bulletproof. You know, it's like, it's not like he's actually, um, most times at nine times out of 10, it's not like he's actually wearing a suit of armor unless he is wearing a suit of armor. Yeah. But that's like, a lot yeah. of, a, a lot of the time his tech is like, uh, augmentations and it's his vehicles that you, um, I think one of the big strengths, as you say, is that he's out there, his, his neck is on the line and he's out there. Like 
his fists are sore when he's punching faces. He hasn't got like uh, steel and iron around him. He instead it, it, it's it's him. He he feels those hits when he's fighting six thugs and one manages to get a punch on him. Like mm. it's completely different. But he does the street level stuff. And then he goes out to space with the Justice League and does the, the God level stuff. You know, he's he's like, he works on both levels. Mm-hmm. And that's also what I find compelling about him. Which is one of, the, it's one of the things that I find compelling about characters like Spider-Man as well that get to participate in both kinds of story. But anyways, he's there lying on the sidewalk. And um, they call an ambulance for him. And, uh, you know, they're like, uh, they ascertain that he's still alive. Ambulance arrives and who else is in the ambulance? But, uh, you know, master of disguise, Alfred Pennyworth. (laughs) And, um, he gets him into the, uh, they get him into the, the back of the ambulance and, uh, you've got, um, I think Jean Paul's like driving the ambulance, isn't he? Hmm. And uh, you've got Robin there as well, and they've got him in the back of the ambulance, and they're trying to stabilize him. They the the synopsis of this book is basically Gotham reeling from you know, and and Bane taking over. Bane is now king of Gotham. The whole book opens with with Bane chucking Batman from like a tall building to the floor, and and this whole thing is like a fight to stabilize Batman. It's like the whole thing is the anxiety of what's going to happen now, what's going to happen next. You know, Gotham is now at the mercy of this this master criminal. Um, who's going to defend us? And you know, we we need to regroup. We need to back off, and we need to regroup. We need we need to do what we can to save our symbol, our leader, the Batman. And yeah, so um, Marv, let's get your feelings on on that kind of like idea, like the the you know the whole thing with them backing off regrouping to save him sourcing the medication that kind of stuff hmm yeah this this section i i love this um you know following that that panel um i i love the the just the framing of it and the intensity of it as well like i mean the paneling helps obviously the artwork the paneling the the dialogue helps but like just from a story perspective the fact that it's like Batman thrown from you know the highest rooftop, uh, you know bounces down. He's, he's he's shattered. He's a shattered man. And then you know his crew comes to save him. I love uh, side note the um, when he's when he's been taken and Gordon's like you know it could have been anyone. It could have been you know the Joker's guys or you know the Two Faces thugs. You know how could you just let him take him? And like Bullock's like what if it's you know his own people, Kamish? And there's just this look of relief on his face, just this warm look he gives them. Yeah. Where it's like you know what you're right um but yeah no the 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 rush to stabilize batman does sort of mirror the rush of gotham to sort of recontextualize itself knowing that batman is off the table like obviously throughout the book you see like the crime world is like reorganizing it reorganizing itself um alongside the fact that Bane's trying to consolidate everything, even without Bane. If Bane wasn't there, they're trying to make sense of the fact that Batman isn't a a consideration at the moment. You know, everyone's just sort of up in the air. So there is this very, it's a very intense and very focused, um, fast-paced story. But at the same time, everything's so uncertain that it's like, it takes its time to explore how 
nebulous and weird everything feels now that suddenly someone has just taken out this thing that was a constant guardian. I like it. I like it. Yeah. And um, we're back firmly in the capable hands of Chuck Dixon. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> which really, I mean, like, I'm not, you know, like the Dennis O'Neill stuff's great. And, but like, we're back in the hands of Chuck Dixon now. So we're back in this, this kind of like spoiling saga, which, you know, like, and, and Chuck Dixon does all this so deftly and paces it so well and brings us all these things so well. Like he brings us into this, this world. He brings us into this feeling and then Graham Nolan's artwork kind of solidifies <laughs> that. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> You need, well, look, right. <laughs> I, I do, look, I didn't say I didn't like Graham Nolan. I just say I prefer Aparo, that's all. But, I know. Uh, yeah, but yeah. Oh, like, side, side note though, side yeah. note though. I, I like uh, more of Aparo's art in this half of Nightfall than I do in the first half, definitely. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, like, there's the whole, this whole thing with um, the kind of like Gotham reorganizer. You You are really in that. And this is like, this is Gotham's Empire Strikes Back moment. Hmm. I guess. I guess. Yeah, that's that's a note that I had for it. It's like yeah. the punctuating where everyone's place is before, you know, uh, after the big crescendo and like it's hitting on a down note and yeah. Hmm. Definitely. But um, it's a really cool kind of way to show the Batman's kind of like fallibility, if you will. Um which is what this was going for and what other books at the time were going for, like, you know, Death of Superman and such. Um, this is just way better than Death of Superman on so many levels. <laughs> Most definitely. Yeah. Like we've said, I mean, you were saying this, weren't you, Marv? Last time in the previous episode, like Nightfall Part 2, you were saying that, that like, Death of Superman, like, the lead up to Death of Superman is a bunch of, Superman stories where Doomsday turns up like at the end you've got like a page of Doomsday punching his way out of something mm. like and that happens over like I can't remember is it four issues Doomsday's something coming like punch 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 and then he's out and then he comes to earth and then he just punch 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 and then <laughs> and then Superman's dead and then everyone cries and then some other guys try to be Superman and then Superman comes back it literally it speaks it speaks volumes that the most entertaining part of the death of Superman story is the the reign of the Superman. Like the actual climactic fight that kills Superman off is boring, and then seeing like like Superboy and Steel and like uh, Cyborg Superman all try yeah. and take the mantle. That's the that's the fun part. Like I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Um. So. I mean, like, moving on from here, so we're out of, like, who rules the night now, and we're on to... So as we move through, like, so Batman is now in the cave, and they're trying to stabilise him. They've got him... Um, they've got him going, and they're gonna, like... They, they've managed to source the medication for him, and now it's the waiting game, basically. And we're left with mm. that panel, and then a black page after that. And it's just you know like where next and we we come on to uh a flashback which is like because you would have noticed that in the previous arkham breakout stuff um 
Two-Face was missing. And <laughs> what we get now is we get a flashback um, to the... Uh, like a, a point where Two-Face is... Um, Two-Face is showing up in one of Tim's kind of like flashbacks because Tim is having a kind of a flashback moment remembering something that he did that Batman chastised him for, which was making a bad decision. I mean, this is kind mm. of like something that stands by itself. It, it's a it's a cool Two-Face story. Um, it doesn't really advance the plot any. It just gives you some a little bit of Tim and, and Bruce's relationship. Um, and there's just a little bit going on there with... Um, like you're getting into Two Face's head a little bit, and if you're a Two Face fan like me, you enjoy it. You love seeing Harvey Dent show up. Um, so, like, uh, we'll start with the guests. So, Marv, like, what do you make of like the the Two Face bad judgment story? Nightfall was released in 1993. In 1993, I would have been nine years old as a nine-year-old comic book reader with the attention span of a nine-year-old, even then I could tell that this section brings the plot to a screeching halt. I could <laughs> yeah, not stand that section then. I can't stand that section now. I love Two-Face stories. I really do. Uh, after Nightfall and everything, obviously I, I love like things like the Long Halloween and other stories that like prominently feature Two-Face as a character. I love it. But Having just come off what I said, the, the intensity, the ramping up of the stakes, Batman's off the table, the, 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 the whole world that is Gotham is reeling, and then all of a sudden it's like, oh no, I can't believe the last thing he said to me was this. You know, wavy text, wavy text, wavy text, flashback. And then all of a sudden we've got like, I wonder if the readers were thinking about what Two-Face was doing during the Arkham Breakout. Like, no! We're wondering what's happening with Bruce recovering from his broken goddamn bag. Like, I, I don't know. Um, as a standalone story, taken completely out of the context of the fact that Batman just got his back broken, it's entertaining, but I've never liked this section where it's placed in the story. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I agree. Um, and I that's, mean, the, I that's the thing, like, uh, sorry, like, uh, following, like, um, Nolan, Roy, and Hannah's like art in the previous issue, which is just beaming off the page. You've got those great like um, that bathed in a sort of like violet, like uh, because it's nighttime and there's also sirens. And then you go to this, and it's all like just green, blue, mm. and it's just it just doesn't it, it like in everything that you said, Marv. It it just adds makes it worse. I'm not saying the art is is bad in this at all. But what I'm saying is that everything feels like they just pumped on the brakes and pumped pumped out a filler issue or something. Yeah, it definitely has the feel of anime filler. It's like all of a sudden we've reached where the manga has uh, has not caught up yet, and we're just like, well, uh, flashback to something that happened a couple of months before. Had the time out. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, and I, oh, sorry, uh, go on, Ray, carry on. No, I was going to add on to what uh, what both of you said. Like, I I feel. Similarly to what Marv said, maybe not quite as strongly because I don't have the same like emotional um, touchstone for this, you know, growing up or whatever. Uh, but like adding on to what Leon said about the art, like it definitely, it definitely feels like they pump the brakes because I think coming from the art style, which we've all expressed that we really liked, uh, you know, at up to the run up of what we just discussed, and like I was also immediately kind of put off by the art style here and everything suffusing this like 
this green weird haze. But I've got a note here saying like it slowly starts to grow on me because it's all it's got a very like turbulent, ashy, smoky, sickly style. And I realize that's probably putting you in the head of um of Two Face, right? Like uh, all this, you know, these very different greens and like it's all infected and sickly and it's how dense face presents in the story as well and it's almost like his face is infecting the book uh, maybe mm. i'm reading too much into that but like i kind of started to enjoy that as i went along but like i think the biggest thing that this this book these two books do wrong is like yeah it grinds everything down to like just stops it to a halt but yeah. it's also full of batman's like endless deontological lecturing like he's already a pretty patronizing guy but like this one is just full of him just lecturing his philosophy over and over i got really sick of it by the end yeah (laughs) and it's it's again like we're getting to see bruce at the end of his rope um and we're getting to see bruce's fray fraying relationship with tim like Mm. on the rocks because bruce is at the end of his rope and he's not thinking straight and if tim hadn't done what he did bruce would have been dead but Tim did it and he made a, he made a, a bad decision. Um, and this is kind of mirroring the Riddler thing that Tim did when he went off on his own and like took out the Riddler using Spandy foam when he shouldn't have because of the bomb. Um, and it's kind of like, it's a reckless decision in order to save Bruce, but the, the reg- it's this, the regret surrounding that with Bruce in a coma now. Like, why did I, you know, do but then, obviously, by the end of it, Bruce wakes up, wakes up and reassures him that he did the right thing. So <laughs> it's all good. But like, it's yeah, it's a very, it's a very anxious section of the story, and I can see why. I can see why it's. I can see it slows the plot down massively. I like Two Face stories. Um, I massively like the cover for Showcase ninety three's number seven, which is the uh, the Bill Sankovich cover. I wanted to talk about this cover because this has got one of the worst cases of the cover not describing what's in the book. Like, what's Old Snake, She-Hulk, and Blue Vision doing on this cover? Who are they? Who are these people <laughs> on this cover? <laughs> like... <laughs> well, that's Obsidian, Peacemaker, and Jade. So, <laughs> okay, cool. <laughs> I have no idea. Were they you in haven't this book? answered this miss... question. Yeah. <laughs> Were they actually in this book, though? Because maybe I just missed them. Yeah, they're... Being, no, uh, yeah, they're, they're, they're in... Go on. You're saying what I was going to say. Go, so go, go, go. It's, it's other stories. So it's this is like an anthology book. Oh, I see. Okay. So the bit, the bit that you're reading is just material mm. from the book. So you're only getting the Batman bit. But then in the book, there's like other supporting stories. Okay. So... I got, that makes a lot more sense. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that's why their faces appear on the cover. So yeah. <laughs> Jade is green. Um, she's a Green Lantern, and uh, or she uh, at one point she is. And then Obsidian is the guy uh, with the the black face on the cover that looks like Black Vision. <laughs> right. So yeah, there we go. That's your. Uh... And then the other guy, <laughs> Old Snake. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's that. It's that balances that. So yeah, um, I mean, yeah, it, it slows it down. I mean, the art's cool. It has this really cool Bill Sankovich cover, which I really like uh, on part one. Part two, the cover is still kind of cool. And I like that we've got um, 
the other characters that appear in the backup stories reflected in the um the kind of like uh tassel spike things on batman's gauntlets hmm yeah i think that's cool it's like a sonic the hedgehog taxidermied glove (laughs) (laughs) it's a sonic the hedgehog hand puppet yeah i don't don't know what's going on with that gauntlet but yeah it's cool i guess (laughs) (laughs) yeah um so then like screaming on from there because i didn't want to spend too long on that bit uh unless leon you got anything to say about two-face i like two-face and i i like because sometimes you forget because i haven't read a a two-face story in in a while or since since the last one we spoke about that we reread but um sometimes you forget i like i like ones that deal with the inner turmoil a lot and the how it it's I mean, obviously, it's problematic in some ways, like framing it as like a DID thing. But I, I, mm. I do think a lot of the time the writing's pretty interesting when when you have the sort of inner debate um, happening and the flip of the coin being an actual one one sphere has to win this yeah. argument type thing. And I, I do enjoy when when that shows up. Yeah, I, I am a I am a Harvey Dent fan. Uh, he's one of my he- favorite of Batman's rogues, um, and I. I love the fact that this whole thing is a vehicle for one page, which is the bit where Bruce wakes up. Well, that's the thing. It's like, if you're looking at it in terms of how it relates to the story, it's literally two panels. I'd have had all the love in the world for this story if it appeared in part one. If we were talking about it last recording, it would have been a wonderful addition to the rogues gallery that led, mm-hmm. led up to the gauntlet. I feel like it was supposed to be, but then it was cut from that bit. And then like, they used it again later and like printed it in this anthology book hmm. and then added yeah. a bit on the end where Bruce wakes up. <laughs> <laughs> no, hundred percent. Cause I wanted to say, basically you, you uh, vocalized what I was struggling to put together. It's like, yeah, this should have existed in the previous set of stories. I think, cause I actually hmm. quite, I really do like uh, two face uh, as a villain for the most part. Like I like how we get his usual playing legal theater, like really, um, just really overt in this one like he's he's just hired a, or he's stolen a bunch, bunch of henchmen just to play out his fantasies of you know being like doing his legalese uh, um on on stage which is kind of cool uh some really cool panels is like uh where dent shoots his you know makeshift judge and he goes flying and yeah, like, yeah. bullets whizzing over batman's head um one thing that i think does connect to the previous story is like uh, Batman is trying to figure out a way to get out from this chair that he's tied onto, and he like smacks his back onto the floor, and you get like this crouch, like this onomatopoeia, which sort of echoes what we've just seen in Nightfall, and like I don't know, it's a like I guess kind of cool foreshadowing of another pain that he's about to receive in you know in the chronology. Are you um, saying are you saying he weakened his spine before Bane got to it? <laughs> Loosened it up like a jar lid. It's not what I, it's not what I'm saying. I just think it's like it's it's nice like foreshadowing, I guess. If it was if it was put in the right place in the story, maybe. Mm. Um, and like, I, I like how with all of Batman's villains, they all have like they obviously all have a a, a thing, you know. And um, the balancing of the beam and like the fact that a guy called Two Face, who you know has a has a coin that um, has you know, two gives faces. him the out- he has two well, it gives him the outcome that he wants it gives him the outcome he expects and then he mul- multiple times throughout this book he screams it's not fair it's not fair it's just it's hilarious and blunt but like i, I kind of like it mm. um, 
like the scales the, of justice it's blunt but fun there's the um the dave mckean arkham asylum book um just a little interesting point there what you're saying about about two-face being very like two-faced like <laughs> the, the two-faced coin and everything is two well in the in the dave mckean book you might find this interesting ray if you read this bit but he um two-face has a deck of cards instead because they're trying to wean him off the coin <laughs> it's, it's so good because they, cool. they 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 give they give him like um, a D and D like six sided die. They work him up to the deck of cards, so they're like yeah, yeah. instead of two options, have six. Yeah. Then get a D twenty. <laughs> now have a pack of fifty two cards. <laughs> and he can't decide whether to go to the toilet or not, and he keeps whizzing himself. Yeah, yeah, it's brilliant. It's a brilliant story. <laughs> What's this? this is the book I needed to read. <laughs> read Arkham Asylum. It's amazing. Right. <laughs> yeah. Arkham Asylum, Dave McKean, gorgeous book. But yeah, it's um, it's yeah, it's it's a great bit of Two Face there. But yeah, so like on from there, we're we're back into the main kind of like story of things. So Bruce is awake now, and uh, they need as he's like sort of like dealing with his defeat, not very well, I might add. He's very depressed. He just wants to sit with the curtains closed and listening listen to Radiohead. But you know, the other guys kind of won't let him. Uh, <laughs> They decide they're going to batter one of his cars, trash it completely to make it look like he had a car accident. Um, as this is happening, Bane is consolidating his rule over Gotham. Um, the most interesting bit here, which is things that are going to come up later on, is when he asks Catwoman to join his empire. Catwoman reluctantly agrees to this. She reluctantly agrees to work with him, but not for him, which is like a super Selena Queen move. Hmm. Right. And... It's all about that self-preservation that we know her for. So that's like Catwoman AF, right? <laughs> also, it's a flex because the, the Mafia Dons before yeah. Yeah. had said like, yeah, we'll work with you. And Bane's like, no, you'll work for me. And then yeah. Selena's like, now nah, I'm going to work with you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And it's great. I love it. Um, and it's like, um, you can feel in the page, like she's like, everyone's scared of Bane at this point. And you can feel in the page, like, there's, she's, she's scared of him, but she's not scared to stand up to him, which I really like. Like, you know, she fears him as much as anyone else does, but she's still putting, she still has the, the, the you know, she still does that, which is yeah. really cool. Um, and we get, again, we're getting treated to some, some gorgeous, we got this, like, the, the, the opening panel for this book is Bruce looking very sad on a trolley with a neck brace on and a tube in his nose. And it, it is really sad seeing him like that, like seeing him so broken. Mm. Um, and we come to sort of like Bane bullying a china shop in his way through uh, Gotham, taking out gang after gang, you know, like consolidating his rule over. Because as, as we're talking, you know, as we're in the Batcave, as we're talking about Bruce's recovery, as Bruce's camp are kind of like, can, kind of trying to deal with what's going on with Bruce right now, trying to get him the best care they can get him, you know, moving him up from the cave to the, the upper levels of the house so he can be in his bedroom. Um, we've got like that juxtaposed with these panels of Bane going from like mob hideout to mob hideout, just wreaking havoc. Mm. Um, and then we've got like uh, the, um, the, the one of the best ones I like is the mirroring of the panel of Bane thwacking someone on the top of the head to sledgehammers hitting a Porsche. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Where uh, you've got Alfred and uh, 
Tim. Alfred's still got a bandage around his head, by the way, from when he got like, he got like, uh, he got baned when Bane <laughs> broke into the manor. <laughs> and they're just like trashing this, this car to make it look like a, they like, maybe we should push it off a cliff for good measure, you know? <laughs> um, and we just come through like step by step. Obviously, they get Chandra in and, you know, all this equipment and whatever. And they, they, they weave this whole story that, oh, they can't let Bruce show any public weakness because, you know, business and whatever else. Um, and, like, at this point, I feel like Chandra knows. Like, she knows he's Batman by now, I feel. Like, he's debating whether or not, Bruce is debating whether or not to reveal his identity to Chandra. I feel like she already knows or has her suspicions. Hmm. Especially at the point where she's saying that the back injury doesn't line up with the car crash thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, uh, Ray, um, any, any feelings on this portion here? Um... <laughs> Not a lot, really, because I, I feel like I, I read through this this entire book quite quickly. Um, I think it was hitting all the beats I expected, like we're getting his uh, his treatment. And like, I I feel like the stuff about Dr. Kinsolving sort of fizzles out fairly quickly. Um, I do like that Robin kind of throws shade at her basic judgment or what he thinks she might have. But she's a fucking doctor. Like, why would she not piece this stuff together immediately? Because they're not very yeah. good at hiding it. But I like that that gets resolved like quite quickly. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And I do like that, like, Bruce's psychological damage and treatment is a lot like what Gotham's going through. Yes. Um, like, Gotham needs to learn how to heal the way he needs to learn how to heal. Like, oh, for sure. All of that stuff was interesting. Yeah. And I, I feel like the whole time, like, she's in the manor and, like, she turns her head. And then when she's got her head turned, like, Alfred's, like, shoving bat stuff behind a curtain and she turns back. <laughs> yeah. <and it's> like... <laughs> <laughs> like you guys aren't subtle or smart about this. Yeah. There's no Batman <laughs> stuff in here. <laughs> Bruce is still wearing his Batman pants kind of thing like <laughs> shit quick you know like cons- like I just I like the idea of that like when when she turns around stuff is being shoved under rugs and behind curtains and things like don't talk about it like the revolving wall just yeah. turns as she's looking yeah. the other way you made me think of, you made me think of it like in um in Deadpool 2 where like he's complaining the whole time that he's not seeing any other members of the X-Men and then in the background you've got everyone there and they close the door but instead it's just the whole Bat family like you've got like Oracle's there and like Nightwing <laughs> you've got like Commissioner just everyone's in a room and they just like close the door before she can turn around and see it <laughs> yeah and the most important thing that happens in this book is John Paul is given the mantle he's had a haircut um and a, and a and and some facial reconstruction surgery apparently because now he's a Chad. <laughs> yeah. Oh, he's uh, he's he's lost the glasses as well. <laughs> you can't yeah. wear the cowl unless you've got that sort of chin. Just yeah, yeah. They had to give him the Bruce chin to go with the yeah. cowl. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, he's finished college now. He's a man. So... <laughs> the graduation jaw. <laughs> <laughs> You take it off and throw it in the air like a mortarboard. <laughs> now I'm just thinking of the crimson chin. <laughs> but yeah, um, so we've got like uh, John Paul taking the cowl. Like, you know, it, it, it takes a little bit convincing, I guess, but not a lot. Um, and then... Uh, 
the sort of book ends with um, John Paul's first outing in the Batman outfit, as it were, with Robin. Um, and uh, Bruce helplessly looking on at the bat signal and not being able to answer it, which kind of mirrors the... Um, there's a page earlier on in one of the earlier comics where he's lying in bed, like absolutely full on knackered. Like, and I know this feeling cause it's like that when you have to get up for work in it, but <laughs> he's like, he's completely like on his deathbed already because this is like pre backbreaking and the night signal, the, the bat signals in the air and he's just like, I can't, I just, but like he forces himself, he wills himself up to answer the signal even though he shouldn't. Um, and I feel that that mirrors that. And then onwards from there, we move into the next issue of Detective Comics, which is basically a showcase of um, kind of like Jean-Paul falling into the system. And you can start to see his contempt for the criminal element come out in his behavior and everything else. And this is, this is where we're starting to see little glimpses of it. Just, just little twinges of his brutality of him getting a little bit too much. Um, and, and Robin having to kind of like try to, to wrangle him and corral him a little bit Mm. and try and keep him on the ground. And that's, that's the bit that's like the the bit that sticks out. That's more interesting because this is where we start to see the cracks and what I love about this whole section, right, is how how much they cram in to each pot portion and how evenly paced it all is. Mm. Like, they cram so much information in. In comparison to other parts and other books that we've, we've covered uh, to do with this, Nightfall, like, these issues especially, there's so much going on. Like, it's each page takes is somewhere else. It's not you know, it's like each page is a different part of the story, a different facet. And it's not a sing it's not singular, but it still feels singular. Um because then on from there we've got like this is like the beginnings of the search now, because this is where like so the search is gonna be the is the bit that, that comes as part of Night Quest. Um, which is the um the portion of the story where Batman and Alfred will be going looking for Chandra Consolving and Tim's father. I, I think I think you mean in this book. Wait. Yeah. <laughs> He's been demoted. <laughs> had his had had his hand in his badge and gun. Yeah. <laughs> no no yeah he's he's yeah so so it it'll be Bruce and and Alfred. Bruce and Alfred's holiday in Santa Prisca. Um <laughs> With uh, you know, looking for Tim's dad and Chandra Consolving, who are kidnapped at the uh, you know in in the end portion of this book, and it's just seeing Bruce so powerless to do anything, like you know, and and he still tries his hardest, even even from his his kind of like injured state in a wheelchair, like he's he still tries to do because he knows this is like the spirit in him, this is like that fighting spirit in Bruce Wayne. Like he still tries to do it. He still tries to to stop these guys, and he'll do anything in his power. Um, I think this is where Bane is like. Um, he's like now looking at the uh, the unions, which is like this is a, a trope that comes from the mafia, 
And it's like, it's, it's an 80s thing. This is what I meant when I was talking way, 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 way back. And I was saying like Gotham of the 90s is, is New York of the 80s because you've got the mob still there. And, you know, running the unions is like a mob thing. And that was, that was a very, as far as my understanding is that was an 80s thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Because, like, I mean, yeah. even even surpassing that with stuff like, if you remember the whole thing of, like, Jimmy Hoffa and all that. Yeah. Uh, from, this, from, like, the 60s, 70s. Um, I think you're on the money when you say that because it, it really does have, like, all of those sort of tropes. Yeah. Definitely. Um, and then we sort of like moving, moving in from there and we're just basically just getting a, a, a getting a glimpse. The, the main things to take away from this issue is Chandra gets kidnapped and uh, like Batman is choosing to do things he shouldn't be choosing to do. He's, he's choosing to be going after Bane when he was expressly was, told not to. The one thing he, he was told not to do and he's going to do it. one instruction, yeah. Yeah, the one instruction I mean, and he's going to break it. I, I I get the feeling that we're going to move on to the next issue, and I just want to really quickly jump in and say, I feel that, like you were saying at the beginning of this section, that this issue crams so much in um, thematically. I feel like everything from the Kelly Jones cover to like the individual panels in it is again just it. It's it's like the mission statement of Asbats, like. Seeing that cover of him with the, the, the plank of wood with the two nails and Robin in the yeah. background with his yeah. fist in his mouth. Like, that just tells you everything you need to know about this entire section between here and, like, spoilers, the new costume. Yeah. But, like, one thing I wanted to point out, two things, sorry, that I wanted to really quickly point out. One of my favorite panels is the double-page spread of the, the first punch that Batman throws. Yes. And, like, mm. you've just got, like, the, the, the white void, the energy of the fist hitting this guy's face tells you everything you need to know. Like, it's the whole thing of, like, um, oh, what's it? Uh, when Dr. Octopus was in Spider-Man's body and he, like, punches that guy's jaw almost clean off and he's like, holy shit, Spider-Man's been pulling his punches this whole time? Like, yeah. that punch that he gives to that guy in this book, in that double-page spread, is like, man, this is what happens when Batman isn't thinking about people's safety. <laughs> like, that guy doesn't have a face anymore. No, but, the, um, look in, the look in his eye as well on that panel is like, you hand over the hammer now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And <laughs> it's, it's the way that Graham Nolan, um, he has a really, it's just, it's not even one technique that he uses, but it's like every panel he draws with Jean-Paul in the cape and cowl, he goes out of his way to tell you this is not Bruce Wayne behind the mask yeah. like the shadows mm. above and behind his eyes the fact that you can see shadows over the bottom half of his jawline so that it's just like yeah. one dark face everything he does when he's drawing him tells you this isn't bruce wayne's batman and, and i love the artistic choices there yeah and here's the singular mindedness and the zealousness coming out like i am no longer the student robin he chose me to take his place hmm. and and robin re retort it's more than a costume pal you're going way over the top here. And then like Azrael's, maybe that's what it takes. <laughs> so this is where I love it's starting to come out, you know. I, I love uh, Robin's line where he's like, he's quick and tough and scary, yep. but somehow he's scary in all the wrong ways. Yep. Yep. And then like, there's a, there's another great couple of panels later on where um, he's basically trying to get information out of a, uh, a, a mob leader. And he's like, kind of like threatening to drop him off a gang walk gangway mm. uh in a um is it a stadium is it a dog's track or something 
I can't I'm not even sure. I, I'm yeah, trying to yeah. look where they are. It looks like a stadium of some description. Um, mm. But, um, and then there's like, uh, you're so terrified of him. You're trying to get to the others to knuckle under him to pay tribute. Um, you know, and he's, he's basically putting leverage on him in a very Batman way, but then obviously he's going a little bit far. Mm. And then uh, Robin's like, you can't, we don't work that way. And then you've got that, that panel with that glint in his eye. Mm. It's like, then maybe we should start right now. I didn't ask you to come along. You know, it's like, it's getting like, it's there. Like the, the evil smile on his face, the crazed mm. smile that, you know, it's all there. And yeah. I wear the mantle of the bat. I make the decisions. <laughs> Bane is mine and mine alone. He thought I wasn't challenged enough to even bother with one. So now he's like, he's not only out to prove himself as Batman, he's out to prove himself against Bane. He's been given a new mission. And that's, this is like the Batman stuff layering itself on top of the system. Mm. This is what I was getting at by trying to make you read <laughs> sort of Azrael. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. Um, so now we're on to my favorite section of all of this, which is the God of Fear. The uh, Shadow of the Bat three issue arc. Um, which again kind of illustrates it's, it's just basically illustrating of more um, more Jean-Paul OTT behavior, but it's a really good scarecrow story. Mm. Um, and it's got some of my favorite covers. Like these covers are great. They look like mega drive boxes. And it's funny, yeah. my, 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 compila- my physical compilation of this, because I'm reading the Comixology yeah. version uh, just to make sure that uh, I'm not missing any, any extra sprinkled pages that were added in or anything that, it turns out not really, but the covers for this um, Shadow of the Bat uh, three issue arc um, I'd never seen before. So these are amazing and a, a real treat uh, for this reread of Nightfall. Yeah, I I have physical copies of these books, hmm. and like I love the design of Scarecrow in these pages. I I love hell yeah <laughs> yeah like I love how like even not even just Scarecrow just just Doctor Crane yeah like, just mm. he looks like a super villain anyway when he's just you know, he looks like a, he looks like a bloodborne scholar he looks like yeah. he's wandered into town to study the old blood and to just mess up yarnum he looks like 100%. jacob reese mark yeah. <laughs> made out of coat hangers <laughs> and scare some fucking pigeons <laughs> this, this is jacob reese mog on his way to work that's what this is like honestly like on well, I say on his way to work, on his way to uh, funnel money to his billionaire mates and fall asleep in Parliament, dickhead. <laughs> yeah. Tell us how you really feel, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't make any secret of it. No, yeah. Mm. So yeah, this is this is Jacob Rees Mogg uh, as Jonathan Crane in this next <laughs> section. But yeah, the art in this bit is great, and I love this whole story. And it's got this real kind of like. Um, 90s like fear of video game violence thing going on in it like <laughs> and it has that undertone yeah and this is this is also where we've got like um again like more more like john paul just just doing things he shouldn't be doing like standing on the balcony in full view of all of gotham in the batman regalia like hmm. just not done is it it's like it's like yeah. Bruce's one rule. It's like you don't wear the cat, you don't wear the suit outside the cave. You don't do that. It's naughty. Hmm. But like, because <laughs> you'll, you'll get found out. And 
you know, it, it's just, it's not the done thing. And we've got like, um, Azrael's, Azrael's looking this as well, like his face, like he's so, like he's really stern and serious looking. Mm. He's got this real like anger about him, this real like serious singular minded energy. And uh, obviously as well, we get um, Anarchy turning up who I, I think like if I was a Gen X teenager, I would have loved Anarchy. Well, my, one of my one of my big notes in this reread is that like anarchy never really struck a chord with me when i read this back in the 90s but like reading this in 2021 anarchy's interior monologues read very differently oh, like yeah. Yeah. later on in this i think mid midway through this story when he's just running through his interior monologue i'm like hashtag anarchy said nothing wrong <laughs> well he didn't He's just putting the world to rights, even yeah. when the fear gas gets used on both of them. And he's just like, please stop killing our planet. Bless stop him. It out. His fears are my fears. His, his fears are our fears. It's ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, I, I identify with him so hard now. It's like, <laughs> I love anarchy. I mean, yeah. I mean be- before yeah. I realized he was actually called anarchy, I, was, I have a note here saying that anarchy wizard is right. <laughs> 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 so Leon, any thoughts on Anarchy? Who strangely actually is is the son of the Joker through strange strange happenstance because they cancelled Be- the comic before they could huh. say he wasn't the son of the Joker. <laughs> Hashtag because comic books. Yes. <laughs> um yeah, no, I I thought the character was quite interesting because if you like like what you guys have said, when you place it in like the context, it's quite funny because back then it, w- it would have been like a sort of perfect like cartoony villain by like how how the writers were at, at the time uh like in terms of what the zeitgeist and stat uh like status quo were at the time you could see how he runs like a sort of leftist parody or something mm. but it's funny how given time it just doesn't like it's maybe intended purpose to be a bit more hyperbolic um rings less true and it just becomes it just makes sense that his his actions are are what's messed up and and actually make him a stronger bad guy because of that mm. but then on on top of that um it's i think what what's really good with that character is that we go back to addressing that core prop core core thing that became a um a sort of tenant of the Nolan Batman films with like escalation and like Batman's existence um places got actually places Gotham in more danger and and, and that whole mm. whole concept and through that character and through like the our like 2021 eyes you're able to actually give this character a bit more of a a, a grounded feel than may have been may have been intended, but like forgetting it, intent because they might have been um, the writers might have been just as based, but more in case of like how it would have been read um, back then because I don't remember really I don't, I don't remember too much of the character back then, but I had really no sort of basis or. or for that type of thing because I was like too young mm. and I think it's like a cool thing to remind you that like 
um, a lot of these concerns are so old <laughs> um, yeah. that, like, they were like fodder for like, uh, a, a comic book where the Batman gets his back broken. But yeah, I, I thought, um, given that the extra like context of the times that we've gone, actually made Anarchy a stronger, a stronger villain. Hundred percent. Yeah, definitely. And like. I love him as a side actor in this, hunting Batman. Like, so the, the main plot in this is basically the Scarecrow wants to cement himself as a god. And he's, uh, Jacob Rees-Mogg has waltzed into this college to do this um, fear experiment that he's paying students to sign up for, which is all very goosebumps. Um. <laughs> which is nuts, because like, it's yeah. a VR thing. People be jumping at that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'd, be, I'd be like first in line. Um, but he's like getting these people to sign up for this VR experiment where he's going to um, sort of like test them by showing them lots of images really quickly or something. And uh, later turns out that one of the kids recognizes him because he's the guy that killed the kid's father. Um, recognizes him as Dr. Jonathan Crane. And then that's when things get a little bit because um, he's trying to brainwash these guys because he wants to use them as kind of foot soldiers in his little scheme to kind of like take over Gotham and be the God of fear in Gotham and bring Gotham to its knees. Um, and like, I love the scarecrow's characterization in this, like this, this kind of obsession he has with old books and, you know, quoting like old writers and, and stuff like that. And then like this gorgeous, gorgeous artwork that just flows throughout. And this is like, um, so this is Brett Belvin's here, Brett Belvin's even, sorry. Uh, doing his own pencils and inks and like you just go through and like some of my favorite pages are like the fear sequences mm. like, i always love seeing different artists do fear sequences and how they do it like with with like psychedelic fear gas sequences i love i love to see like how's this artist going to do this how's he going to handle this and then yeah. like you get these like gorgeous kind of like borderless panels of this tree attacking this kid and like everything's you know, again, this is kind of like, this is like brainwashing and conditioning. And then and side sideways to that, you've got um, anarchy kind of like leading Batman across town um, to villains. He's using Batman to clean up the villains, but then he's also going to attempt to take Batman out himself. And then there's this like full page work of the scarecrow with all these like different faces in different panels. And it's all weird and wacky angles and all these kind of like contorted faces and, you got the scarecrow with like all his teeth and obey, obey me, obey me. I am the scarecrow. And it's, it's definitely my favorite scarecrow design. Hmm. And I guess the crux of this three issue arc is that the reason that this is important is because when we, we get to see some escalation of, of John Paul's behavior again, we get to see him get more and more brutal and, and more and more heavy handed. And we get to see that in his single mindedness, in the way he tries to take out the scarecrow, he almost kills someone because he's focused on in, in the way that like, um, so you get the classic, the classic choice thing um, that is usually given to the Batman where it's, it's like you either save the kid or you come after me mm. and where Batman would let the scarecrow escape. John Paul chooses not to. And it, cause he, he basically commands this brainwashed kid to walk off and step off the edge of the building and, uh, like, Azrael's having none of that. Azrael's like, no, I'm going to, I'm going to take out the scarecrow. And, um, 
I'd sooner take out the scarecrow than and and you know one kid dies versus me taking down the scarecrow or whatever. But and he kind of like he kind of dismisses it and frames it as like you know like I I, I knew that someone would do something about it kind of thing. But you know that it's like it wasn't that way. Like, Which well, not, not, not previously even, as well. Yeah. I was going to say, not even, not even that, not even uh, whether or not he knew someone would save the kid. The way he frames his justification is like he frames it as the noble choice. It's like yeah. if Scarecrow had gotten away, you know, hundreds, thousands could have died. It was no choice to me. Yeah. Obviously, you let one person die to save hundreds. Like, who am I? Like, who would who would have saved that that kid and let however many people die from the fear gas? You know, the Batman words. And that's that's the point. Yeah. It's like his his moral compass. Even his, though yeah. some his, some people would see it as a very valid justification, his moral compass is is almost the exact opposite of Bruce's. You know what I'm going to yeah. say now, don't you? Go on. Azrael doesn't protect Azrael Avengers. <laughs> <laughs> but like, there's an element there where it's not even the thing of like um, playing the numbers game. Because he essentially, it's almost a, it's almost like a game, in the sense that it's not it's not really like uh, save one life or a thousand. But it's more like I'm here to beat the scarecrow. Like mm-hmm. I'm the Batman mm-hmm. now, and it's my job to beat the villain. Uh, I don't think he really cares that much about like the actual like noble. Uh, element of it um the like humanist approach to it i think it's just a case of like he's proving to himself that he is the batman and the uh the scarecrow's on the naughty list so he must be eradicated it must he must be stopped like that it's it's almost like the um the irobot the the movie version not the um not the book where it's (laughs) a case of like um Wilson's character is like super mad because um, a ro- one of the robots saved him um, instead of a, a little girl because he had a higher percentage of living, and mm. uh, that's like cold calculated. Like, see, these robots they don't have um, they don't have humanity. They they can't they can't do things other than like maths. But like in this case, it just feels like yeah, it's just target. Like I um like I'm I'm focus on doing this collateral damage be damned like at, at the end of the day i've done the hero thing forget about the excess and i'd forgotten that um anarchy saves the kid you know i was like <laughs> oh yeah this is dark uh i'd forgotten that that happened mm-hmm. yeah, yeah i fully don't... agree because yeah. like this yeah. is what i meant about a batman's uh deontological deolo- deolo- lecturing earlier because it kind of it's pointless because um, uh, he's not around to hear it. So, like, it's you're right, Leon. I don't think it is um, Batman's philosophy versus like the consequentialism. I guess is the opposite of deontology, whatever. Uh, like, he's not he's not the polar opposite. He's just I have my prey and I'm going to go for it. He's not calculating the odds or anything. He's just no. He's doing not. what he wants. It's, I'll tell you exactly what it is. It's the system supplanting, like you know, it's it's the. He's a tool. He's no longer. He's had it. You you mentioned his humanity. He didn't have any humanity. That was stripped of him when they activated the system. Way back in Sword of Azrael, and it's just been getting slowly, slowly, and slowly worse. And then he's had this layer of Batman stuff, like spread on top of it, 
And now it's it's coming to this where he's been given a mask and he's been given a suit and he's been given a mission and he's just Azrael by anything but the colours he's wearing. Hmm. Um, and it's it's to that, that singular mindedness that the system brings out in him and in the way that that is almost like a perversion of what Batman stands for. Um, and, and, and how the kind of like the duality of it where the difference between the two where like uh, Bruce Wayne's Batman, Batman doesn't avenge because Batman, ha- Batman protects, Batman saves. But Azrael Batman, as Bat, as Bat doesn't protect, as Bat avenges. There's like a difference in philosophy there and, and it's like it, it comes out and becomes clear as the system starts to take more of a hold and more of a permanent grip over his mind to the point where there's no... There's no other Jean-Paul anymore. It's just kind of like slowly worked its way in and he has become almost transfixed and and fixated on the idea that he is now Batman. He is now a tool. He's not a person anymore. He's a, he's a tool that is there to fill a void and, and, and fight a disease as he probably perceives it in Gotham. And he will do anything it takes to achieve that goal. And it's like a level of like, um, like justice as in like just raw justice. Like if you, when you, when you take the humanity out of the equation, it's, it's just a case of like, yeah, these people are below the line in terms of what is acceptable. They must be judged and there's no deeper, um, delving into that at all. Yeah, like like some kind of a cru- like a member of the Crusades. Like it's divine justice. There's mm. no morality behind it. It's God's exactly. justice or no justice. <laughs> exactly, yeah. and that's what Azrael kind of personifies with his flaming sword and his night get up. Hmm. Like he's on a crusade. Like he, that's what he is. He's a he's a a knight of the cloth on a crusade. That's pretty much it. And then hmm. like the cloth is whatever you want it to be. Like if you tell him the cloth is back, like the knight of like you tell him he's he's out to kind of like you know the the teachings of batman like batman's your new religion go forth and you know do the teachings of batman that's what he's going to do um he's on a crusade in gotham the crusade is for him to clean up gotham um and like he is a literal dark knight and other than that i guess this this section i mean other than the fact that it's a great scarecrow story um this God of Fear stuff, it has some really gorgeous artwork. There's some really awesome single pages of Gotham burning uh, with kind of like the Scarecrow's face kind of imposed over it on like this huge hologram he's got going on. Um, we've got some really awesome fear gas stuff, like uh, when the fear gas gets used on Azrael, actually, that's another telling thing. So he doesn't know who he is underneath the mask. That's his fear. <clears throat> and underneath the masks, what am I? The answer echoes spinning in my tortured brain. Nothing. You're nothing at all. And I feel that from this point forward, I think the fear gas exacerbates that and also feeds his kind of like his fear of inadequacy and everything else, which makes him become this hyper violent, super pouch, big square robot dude. Like I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't give him enough credit to blame the fear gas the fear gas showed what is under the surface in terms of his insecurities i don't think it exacerbated anything it showed us as the readers what is going on beneath the surface but i don't think it 
I don't think if the Scarecrow hadn't have squirted him, he wouldn't have been Batman 500-ed, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it definitely shows us what's going on beneath the cowl, like in his yeah. head. That 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 page as well, where it, like it's just the warped version of his face, is such a wonderful depiction of yeah. anxiety. Like, and especially a, a, a character wearing the cape and cowl to show that much anxiety in, on two thirds of the page is brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Oh, it's it's absolutely gorgeous. I love it. Absolutely love it. We've got some uh, some really great stuff. Um, like if you look at the covers as well, because um, moving on now, we're on uh, Batman four nine nine. Um, so this is the cover with Bruce in the wheelchair and what's going on with those gauntlets? <laughs> is this you moving on to the next section, or are we still on? I'm moving uh, on to the, the next fit. section. Yeah. Uh, can I just like yeah. jump back a little yeah. bit and just Go I wanted to talk about some some of my favorite panels in the yeah. Scarecrow section because like I love a good Scarecrow plot uh, yeah. for the reasons you said with all the trippy like um, trippy uh, fear sequences and like the pages where he's conditioning his uh, tormentors or whatever or, uh, tormentees. But my favorite panel is at the end of that first issue where it's him and he's like got his other Scarecrow cronies that he's you know uh, brainwashed and it's like he's. Um, He's on a runway, sailing yeah. into the next issue. Like, I, I love it. He's like, he's like voguing on this runway. It's amazing. Yeah, it's such a great work. Yeah, <laughs> I, I do love that. Yeah, and so like we're moving into the next part now, and we're on to Batman four nine nine. Um, and like I was saying, like what's going on with those gauntlets? And also, if you've been looking at the covers all the way through, um, you'll notice that there's a little uh, bat symbol getting eclipsed more and more as we go along we're now in total eclipse we're at nightfall part 17 and we're in total eclipse so here it goes this is this is where like things are going to start to come up to a second crescendo now in this whole nightfall saga um this is where we're going to get the, the next peak uh which is um the the like the beginnings of Azrael really taking on the mantle. Um, so in Batman 499, um, we are looking at a story called The Venom Connection. So this is like, basically Robin's worry is increasing with how violent John paul Valley is getting. Um, but it, in the in the other side of things, this is like now we're now fully into the search territory where Bruce and Alfred are concerned. So this is something that's going to come up in a, in an arc that comes up later on in this whole Nightfall saga. Um, but Bruce and, and Alfred are now on their way to Santa Prisca, having traced um, the the like a a, a um, basically they found uh, a particular type of antibody in the. Uh, the kidnapper's blood that signifies that they have um immunity to malaria uh possibly been vaccinated against it which makes them believe that these guys came from latin america and they managed to trace him to santa prisca because of the vaccine that was used um so they decide they're going to head to santa prisca and there's some classic detective work there from batman which i quite enjoy which is like um you can kind of feel that now he's had a chance to kind of rest up and recover a little bit. He's getting his faculties back. 
Um, and he's using Oracle's turning up as well. He's using Oracle for help, which is cool. Um, and um, obviously the Bane camp are getting concerned that Batman's not completely off the table because, you know, we're still seeing Batman. He's disrupting our operations in the city. Um, and other than like Batman's stellar um, detective work that's happening here and then we get like this next, basically... Um, Selena Kyle has her plans to get to Santa Prisca as well, and uh, she kind of like stows away on Bruce's private plane. Um, a key note about this is that this is supposedly their first out of costume post crisis meeting or something like that, <laughs> um, which is a cool little thing. Um, but yeah, it's like. Um, that's how they, you know, like, because they, they have no idea who each other is. And you probably be sat thinking, wait, but they those two know each other. They know who they are. But at this point, no, they don't. <laughs> because, you know, like, wibbly wobbly stuff happened and it all got reset. So, yeah. Um, but, yeah, we, we come to this bit where um, the system kicks in, which is, I think this is something me and Marv joke about a lot. Um, so... The system, which is the thing that makes Jean-Paul Valley do the Jean-Paul Valley thing, which is what we've been talking about for this entire episode, this this kind of like brainwashing that's been embedded in him since he was a baby is now making him into an engineer. <laughs> so, <laughs> and I'm not going to lie, these gloves look so out of place with the rest of the Batman costume. <laughs> <laughs> but what he does is he, he it basically he gets overcome with this kind of like he has like this kind of like blackout and he gets overcome with this kind of like um spell of like automatic like he just jaw basically he he comes up with these schematics for these like outlandish like claw gloves that look nothing short of like a spawn comic or something <laughs> like, just this Overly spiky gauntlets. Yeah, that fire bat-shaped shurikens. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, you know, he's he's there designing these by himself in the cave because, um, you know, and he obviously he's at this point he's fully planning to take out Bane himself. So what he's done is he's got the information he needs. He's gone to the people he needs to go to. He's put the kind of the screws on them in a very brutal way, like in a less Batman way than, than Robin would have liked. Robin's been there to watch the whole thing and he's got increasing concerns for his behavior. Um, and he basically creates these razor sharp gauntlets. Um, and he, he wants to eat. Harold's not there, but I get, but Harold is there. Harold's just hiding out in another section of the cave. And I get the feeling that Harold and Ace know what's going on like i think harold knows that this guy is not bad like he this guy ain't you know i ain't helping this guy kind of thing um not that we get a lot a lot else to allude to that but that's that's how i feel that's that's working that's why he's there but he's not there he's just like staying out of his way um so yeah, Robin's like trying to convince him to stay away from Bane, but he's like, no, I can take out Bane. I can do it. I'm, you know, I can take out the man who broke the Batman. He basically very savagely, it, this this comic comes to a head when uh, Azrael, Asbat, very savagely takes out Bane's henchman, um, 
in a a kind of like a plot to draw them out using uh one of the mafia dons um and obviously this guy's kids are in the lot in the in the line of fire because bane's leverage over this guy was his children and um this is bressy like bane's leverage over don bressy or whatever was his kids and um batman doesn't care (laughs) and these kids are in the line of fire and they're in the middle of it and with no regard for the safety of these children not even waiting for the children to get out of the way as bat launches the attack and basically brutalizes bane's men and puts them away um so uh what i'm gonna do as well is so this is like where it's getting instrumental into the kind of like the 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 kind of the final battle between Bane and Asbat that kind of like ends this book. So we're getting into that part now, the final portion, uh, the last two comics here now, uh, Batman 500 and the next one uh, from this one, which is uh, Detective Comics 666, um, 666, pick up sticks. Uh, we're getting into that like final, final section now. So what I'm going to do as well, guys, I mean, what are you think so far to the gloves so i'm just gonna ask you about the gauntlets very quickly and how every all of this is becoming coming to a head so what do we think now now all of this is coming to a head and uh, what notes have we got to go with that so we'll start with the guest marv um i mean with this section um as you said one of the one of the things that stands out the most with this i mean with this particular issue i would say um it's just like the mirroring of the end of Bruce's gauntlet with him like desperately trying to get through Bane's henchmen. And then like as that's with his gauntlets, he's just like slapping them across the face, like taking chunks of flesh off them, like ripping the wing off of um, Bird's Falcon, just decimating them all. And then like, obviously spoilers jumping ahead, but like using them as a, as, as pawns to get to Bane. Whereas Bruce had to like survive them to crawl his way to Bane. It's a nice mirroring. Yeah. Um and I will echo what you said about like the weird juxtaposition of like the the standard classic cape and cowl with these gauntlets. Uh but we'll we'll move on to that when we get to Batman 500. I I I I, I rescind my time and let someone else speak. <laughs> yeah. Uh Leon. Yeah, no, I uh, I agree. Uh they look like Iron Man's oven mitts or something. um, (laughs) Like, one thing I really like is in issue 666 um, on page four, um, there's a really cool thing there where it... it... I know, it's it's funnily addressed where it's the... Normally when um, Gordon is speaking to Batman uh, before he finishes his last sentence, Batman just disappears. And it's like Mm. the Batman thing. And I like how in here, um, like, uh, Asbat and Gordon are talking, and then he turns around and he's like, what What the hell are you still doing here? Basically, is his sentiment. And uh, it's, like, weirdly awkward, almost like a like Lego Batman thing. But it, it, it's really good in sort of delving into the character and being like, um, this is a different Batman, one. But also, two, he doesn't really know what he's doing. He's just moving out of pure, like, id or pure will to to beat the person that his uh, mentor could not beat. 
But but I, I did like that when he's like, I wasn't certain uh, we were finished talking. They never stopped you before. I'll be going then. <laughs> that just cracked me up for some reason. And then uh, Gordon's just like, I don't know what the hell is going on, but I don't like it. Is what, what is what I read from him just going, apparently, and cleaning his glasses. But, um, yeah, like, I, th- I think with this whole whole portion, the, um, like, the whole thing of, like, the system feels less, um, less de- delineated and more sort of, like, it's a fizzing up of a bottle and, um, and... Currently, he's fully fizzed up, and his <laughs> only thing is to is is to take out Bane now. And he's like, it's funny to have back to back issues where, um, like, uh, Asbat is just um, beating the crap out of these henchmen who the previous issues have just been brat brapping like all these other mafia people, just sight unseen, like on site, walking to a room. <laughs> brat. And, uh, <laughs> and then two times in a row, like it almost feels like two days in a row. It probably is. He just bodying them, absolutely bodying them. And then th- there's like almost accidentally silly bits because, like, you do have like like I was saying with the Gordon bit, which I I, I quite like, but it is funny. It's one of my the highlights. Bit, the bit with like Bane, who's just in his robe, and he's like, "What? I didn't need your release." <laughs> it just cracks me up, <laughs> and then he's just like. In it, just in the in the bottom corner of the page, little like um, quarter circle, and yeah. just like a tiny bit of Bane's face, idiots. <laughs> it's hilarious. I love that. I love that bit. Like Batman, basically, he's he's making very reckless and very bad decisions now in Batman Triple Six, uh, Detective Comics Triple Six. But before that, I just want to go back to the last page of. Um, <laughs> of the uh the venom connection just because i just want to pull up the fact that tim hadn't realized his dad was missing until now yeah <laughs> i thought i'd missed something with that i didn't know what was going on well, you, you spend enough time in the green tights you you don't you don't you don't notice what's going on in your own house it cuts off circulation to the brain you forget yeah. you've got a very a very pokemon mum note <laughs> yeah <laughs> timothy have faith lad we will find him Take care of Jim, <laughs> Alfred. No one's got any idea what's going on. And then any idea. Like, at the top of that page, you have like that woman doing a very cat stretch. Yeah, she's, <laughs> yeah. she's doing like it's a super catty stretch. Like I've seen my yeah, cat yeah. stretch. It's it's like, like yeah, my cat does it all the time. But it's like it's yeah. a very like awkwardly placed speech bubble. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! And like. Alfred and Bruce just looking at her, like unable, powerless to do anything because they're up in the air. Like, mm. <laughs> how the fuck did she get on this plane? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I love that uh, comedy gold there. Actually, <laughs> but, so moving on, Azrael's got oh, these. Wait, like... wait, 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 wait! Before you move on, because you asked about the gauntlet, and I haven't yeah. had a chance to talk about the gauntlet. The gauntlets, uh, yeah. Two things though. Um, since you brought up Bane, I don't think Bane should take the mask off. Like, I complained about the mask uh, in the last episode that we recorded. He should just leave it on. I don't like seeing him in human clothes. It's weird. Leave the mask on. Um, and then about the gauntlet, as an engineer who studied product <laughs> development, I resent that this computer science under sorry, computer science dropout <laughs> can not only proof, but manufacture a final product without any interim versioning or testing. I resent it. I hate the fact that he can do it through this, like, automatic writing bullshit. I, I hate it. <laughs> the system TM. <laughs> 
<laughs> maybe, maybe I had to go should... to university for this. <laughs> maybe you should get yourself some of that system, you know. Maybe I should. <laughs> <laughs> Next time we see Ray's just walking around just like fully kitted out in spikes and helmets and He wasn't he a big fan of the the uh the mace on the head <laughs> A b- big fan. I, I, I appreciated the concept. <laughs> I didn't say it worked. <laughs> we'll get there shortly, I guess. That's coming up soon, yeah. It is coming up. <laughs> yeah, and that that is um coming up soon. That's the uh the, the little drop that I uh the hint, sorry, that I dropped yeah. uh, in that episode when I was like, that leads to my favourite comic book panel when it's talking about how similar um, Azrael's costume is to Metalheads. Yeah. But, yeah, um, I've got a note here saying, huh, talk to Marvin. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but um, with the Bane out of costume thing, I think I only like Bane out of costume when Graham Nolan draws him. <laughs> I think any <laughs> other artist that draws him, I don't like him without the mask on. But like when it's Graham, no- Graham Nolan's face for Bane... I I I'm I'm here for it. Out it's of just costume, the, the Bane is hilarious. Just just like lockdown Bane, chilling with his glass of brandy. <laughs> he likes the finer things. You, you yeah. know that. You know that robe is like you know like like Egyptian mink or something. <laughs> yeah, velour robes and fingerless gloves. Yeah, that's his deal. Sounds like a Virgil from Devil May Cry. <laughs> but yeah, no, we can. Uh, yeah, so like into this section here, which is like the bit that. Uh, with, where they're, like, other people now are starting to notice that this isn't the same Batman because he's not behaving the same and he's doing, you know, he's he's not leaving before um, Commissioner Gordon turns around, which is a huge red flag. Hmm. Uh, and <laughs> we're getting these other, this bit now where um, they break out and uh, like, um, it, basically Batman breaks them out. He breaks out Bane's goons so that he can uh, he can tail them back to Bane and find his way to Bane to take out Bane. So now, what he's doing is he's playing Bane in a very similar way to the way Bane might have played Batman. I guess I don't know. Um, it's it's a, it just feels very similar to me, like mm. in the way he's playing him with it, using his like allies against him and whatever. Um, but like. Uh, we get to the well. I guess not even using his allies against him, is it? He's just uh, Bane wasn't doing that to Batman anyway. But like with the breakout thing and everything else, I guess is very similar for me. But like, mm. and then I've got a note here about the the use of Woolworths. These locks are strictly Woolworths. <laughs> like I didn't realize that that um, Woolworths was like a cheap store in America. Because hmm. I saw that and I'm like, wait, Woolworths? That's, that's an English thing. Surely, I didn't realise Woolworths existed outside of Britain, hmm. but apparently it did. Um, and yeah, like the house is very lonely, and Tim's having to cover for the fact his dad's missing to the to the housekeeper, <laughs> hmm. which is hilarious. Like no one realises what's happening. No one, no. There was like huge commotion. Was she not there when when there was guns and stuff? She's probably like, at the cinema again. Oh, <laughs> like, I don't know. But yeah, like, no one notices. And then we've got Bane in his robes with his glass of brandy, looking looking very Bane. Uh, and then all of a sudden, Batman comes crashing in. Like, now Batman, this is kind of like when Bane invaded Wayne Manor. Now Batman is in Bane's hotel room. Um, And we've got, like, the first part of this next battle where, you know... 
Bane is still mocking him and, and, you know, calling him a pretender. You're not the real Batman. I broke the real Batman. And we've got this very intense fight, this very well-drawn, dynamic, intense fight that rages on throughout here uh, between Bane and Azrael. And uh, this is where things really start to ramp up and where the pace goes up because Bane is, um, like, you know, knocking... Knocking Azrael sideways, basically, at this point. I mean, Azrael's given as good as he gets, but it's just not... And then, obviously, this is where the gauntlets come into play because he realises, you know, this is this is what he had to do. He had to be more ruthless. And so he starts using the, claw, the claws and starts gouging at Bane across his chest and his leg. And Bane calls him an animal and knocks him over the balcony. And uh, he just barely manages to save himself. And then, uh, by the end of the fight, Batman falls again. And he is purely at Bane's mercy at this point, um, mm. because he's used the new toys and he's been and now he's hanging off the edge of the balcony, and Bane is about to cut him loose, so he falls. And uh, yeah, so what do we think of this uh, this section here, this fight? Start with Marv. I like it. Like you said, dynamic fight. Um, like the, the, the framing, the, the action, the, the, I was going to say kineticism. I don't think that's a word. Um, how kinetic the fight is, is brilliant. Like the, you can feel the movement as your eye moves across the pages uh, for how short this section of the fight is anyway. Um, yeah. And again, I, I go back to what I was saying about, um, Graham Nolan letting you know through his rendering of Batman that this is not Bruce Wayne in the cow. Like it's very rare that you see Batman drawn like this when it is Bruce Wayne. It's a darker Batman around the eyes. It's the way that his, his, his facial expressions are rendered. It's, it's very, it's very subtle, but it makes a, a world of difference and it tells a story just through the character's face. Um, yeah, I like it. Yeah, man, it's got all the all the hallmarks. <laughs> yeah, because it, it's it, it's like look well choreographed and well paced, and as they move fr- throughout the building, the um, the geography is maintained quite well. Hmm. You, it doesn't feel at any point like what? How the hell do they end up here? It just all sort of just moves. Um, quite like logically so yes it's quite good in that way and um i do like how the 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 gauntlets just they they make the beast bleed but they're just they're not the they're not sort of the i don't know the hail mary that uh jean paul thought they would be Mm -hmm. and he still ends up in quite a bad spot and you got a lot of good um like comic banter here where it's because uh, Bane's always referring to him as like a, a fake Batman and pretender and stuff. And um I really like the the page where he's just responding like you can bark your questions in hell and uh, and he's like sort of like gracefully sort of jumping and uh well, it's, it's it's kind of like it's it's a double collision type thing, but it's it's done at the moment where, like, they're both in in a state because he's he's ran and jumped into into 
that sort of flying kick thing, and uh, Batman's just reacting to it. But you don't actually see like the full aftermath of that. So it, it, mm. I know it, it's it's weird because normally I would not like a, t- a type of action beat like that, but I think it works well in that scene and mm. as it continues along the like iron girders um, scaffolding or whatever. It's um, and I, I think that the stakes stakes of it are pretty good, and you have a lot of good. Um, like you have the Bane, where it's like red writing and stuff. Yeah, you have a good yeah. no like with that as well, and yeah, it's all quite um, quite athletic and quite kinetic. So this... I, I was a fan of it, even though I don't like Jean Paul. This, <laughs> this exchange here, where it's like fast, Wayne trains you well. I wasn't trained; I was born for this role. It's my destiny. And then, like, I can't. This is this is what Nolan's Bane has done to me, but I cannot ima- not imagine this in the Nolan Bane voice. Condemned <laughs> to my role, I was condemned before my first cries of life. The world is my prison. I would rule it or die. <laughs> like, and then he just goes on, and they have this exchange about how he, you know, this bit like, um, then that will be your sentence, death. Ha! Huh? You are different from Wayne. This Batman kills. So I have brought ruin to Wayne, and his neophyte brings ruin to the Batman. Yeah, I love that line. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Fantastic. Yeah, because it's like, okay, so you're just perverting everything the cow stands for. <laughs> Speaking of perversions of the cow, Batman 500, because uh, that's where we are now. Um, so we're into the kind of the final section. Now, Batman 500 is split into two sections. So we have... Dark Angel Part 1, The Fall, and then Dark Angel 2, The Descent. So this is basically um, the ending of that fight that began in Detective Comics 666. Um, And we are at the end of that fight now, and uh, John Paul narrowly manages to escape Bane, uh, like escape escape death basically by, you know cannonballing cannonballing (laughs) off the wall into the fountain and you know like lucky that the water was just deep enough um because it may have been too shy he was out for a bit and then he was back in but he wasn't he didn't get up and get himself together in enough time to chase bane so so it looks like it's like shin i thought it was gonna be yeah that's that's a broken leg like i i've broken that particular bone way way easier than falling off a building into a concrete fountain (laughs) yeah this is where he goes back to the cocoon and comes out as something entirely different Hmm. because what he does now is he goes back to the cave and uh, we have this whole exchange with him in the cave trying to stretch out his uh his injuries with tim um talking to him and he's still wearing the gauntlets while he's doing (laughs) pull-ups Which I find so supremely odd. But I think that's the point. Um, and it's this great exchange with Tim. And uh, what we also get to see, actually, is a little bit of Bane's weakness. Because Bane is, you know, he needs Venom. Mm. He's an addict. He's losing blood. And he, he comes, like, because obviously whatever, although he managed to get away, the Batman did, you know, he put some licks on him. Um and he goes to the jail to 
see his uh, his compatriots and uh, he, they're like, are you here to break his eyes? like, no, I just want to know where the venom is. <laughs> like, <laughs> and this is where we get to see Harold and uh, Harold and Ace. Harold sees what's going on. He knows what's going on and he wants no part of it. Um, and uh, John Paul is now working on the suit. Lost again, he requires neither sleep nor sustenance. Soon he will rise from mere shadows into full darkness, looking to fall again. Like, all these, like, uh, really, really 90s edgelord text boxes that litter this comic. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh my gosh, yeah, he, like, smashes the camera so no one can watch him as well. It's like, I don't want mm. anyone to see this. Um, and uh, also, like... Even, uh, like, at this point, Gordon has, like, uh, doubts about the Batman as well. Hmm. He has doubts about this new Batman. He doesn't like it. Um, Tim doesn't want any part of it. Um, you know, like, because he knows that this guy's going to take on Bane, and Tim doesn't want any part of that because he's been told not to. He says, Bane's too dangerous. And, uh, you know, he, he basically tells Tim he's too soft in the opening salvo there of this comic. And uh, Nightwing pops up. So, and this is mullet Nightwing. <laughs> so this is like, this is mulleted Nightwing. So he pops up with his black shiny mullet. And uh, he's talking to Tim about, so he's already annoyed. He's like, well, why didn't Bruce pick me? And Tim's like, would you have said yes? And he's like, Maybe, <laughs> you know, it's kind of, he wouldn't have yeah, said cr- yes, would he? Well, he's he's like, um, yeah, like whatever, like in in an emergency if it was needed, I I wouldn't want to do it, yeah. But you get the feeling that he kind of would have done it, yeah. Mm. But it's like this whole kind of like again, it's like it's like the gap, the gap that because at this point, him and Bruce aren't really that close anymore. They're not on they're they're not really on friendly terms. As such, they they had like the big falling out and whatever, and and Dick went away to be his own man, which is what he has done. He's become Nightwing. He's doing his own thing now, and you know, although he was the next logical choice for the cowl, I feel that it's it wouldn't have, you know, like it. it yeah, I can understand like, his, his anger here, and, and yeah, it wouldn't have worked if they had. My 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 take on it is. Uh, for the story to happen, Nightwing couldn't have been offered the cow because exactly. he would have taken it reluctantly. Yes. But I appreciate that they have him here talking to Tim and expressing his concerns while Tim expresses his concerns as well, because it's the question that all comic book readers would be screaming at the moment that John Paul got the cape and cow. So the fact that they put that in there and yeah. shown you literally Nightwing saying, I would have taken it, but I wouldn't have wanted to do it. Um, and Bruce knew that. It's kind of like, yeah, you can ask why did you give this brainwashed, insane, like, zealot the cape and cowl? And it's like, oh, here's kind of half of an answer. Enjoy the story. Enjoy the story. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, we get to the bit where um, Tim explains that maybe the costume he designed for Azrael prior to him getting the mantle of the bat was a little too close to... Um, Rahul's favourite Batman villain. Don't put words in my mouth. (laughs) Don't don't do that. (laughs) 
point of this scene? Like, what what is it trying to get at? Like, it's, it's my, basically, I, I designed a costume that was too close to this other villain, so it triggered him into evil. Like, what, trying what to, trying to rationalize what activated the system in him, basically. Yeah, because he's, he's in his, doing. he's like at this point, he feels kind of useless, and now he's fallen into like guilt. Mm. Yeah, because remember, like a few pages earlier, he's all like full fuckboy in Ariana, where he's <laughs> just like, uh, "Do you want to come out?" Nah. Uh, <laughs> I guess I'm what? lonely. Bye. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, what is the point in that phone call? <laughs> like, <laughs> it's just like to hear a voice. Say, say, I rang you at three a.m., Marv, just to tell you I was lonely, <laughs> and then put the phone down. Like, <laughs> Marv wouldn't have answered that call. <laughs> well, yeah, let's be honest that's that's the first point but if i had have answered that call and then he hang up on me afterwards i'd have some questions the next day <laughs> I, I just love it i love the idea of calling someone up to 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 sort of like humble brag that you're busy and then slam the phone down <laughs> there's no there's no um like uh obviously at this point in time there's no such thing as text messages or anything so like she can't even like send him an angry tirade or anything like she can't <laughs> just has to deal with the fact he's put the phone down. Or she she was back. ready to meet up tomorrow. Like she was, <laughs> she had tomorrow free, and she was like, yeah. she, like sight unseen. He hadn't he barely said anything. She yeah. just like, hello, oh Tim, it's been so long. Uh, can we see each other tomorrow night? She was ready, <laughs> and he's just like, uh, just some lonely. Like, <laughs> why? No sense whatsoever. Like she, they they put. A, I don't understand why that bit's in there. I really don't because it just it mm. makes no. It not add anything. <laughs> it's just a it's just nonsense, is what it is. <laughs> to ring someone and then put the phone down, like that. I mean, I'd love to just try it for real, like an experiment, just to see. Like, <laughs> but yeah, no. Um. Like, you know, maybe if the conversation had gone on longer and then she'd given him some advice because he talked about what's going on without revealing his identity or something, you know, maybe maybe then it would have had a point. But to advance the story in any way, it doesn't. It just 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 an excuse for Tim to say in book that he's lonely. Yeah, there are ways there are ways of exploring Tim's emotions without torturing this poor girl. Exactly, yes. Exactly <laughs> my point. <laughs> And and then you've got this Nightwing exchange, which is kind of cool. Mm. Obviously, this is Batman 500, so obviously everyone's got to turn up. It's a special. <laughs> it's a very special episode. Um, and then, like, Bane's going looking for drugs. He's fiending for that venom. I mean, look at all that. Look at all that nice alcohol going to waste. Because <laughs> he's like tossing boxes aside in this warehouse, just looking. Single for malt whiskey. Jeez. I mean, dude. <laughs> what are you doing you like a few pages back you were sitting there cradling a glass of ban- brandy i thought you appreciated the finer things man <laughs> like, you're wasting all that not, for. not when you're joined in for a hit of that sweet sweet venom <laughs> yeah true he needs he, daddy needs his juice so he, uh, <laughs> he finds, he finds <laughs> the box with the venom in it and he uh he puts the um he gets the the like the little uh, canister container thing, and you know, I mean, like 
you look at his equipment and you look at the way the tube is held to his arm, it's kind of like what a heroin user might do with something, you know, like when they put the belt around their arm or whatever. Mm. Or the the rubber tube. It's it's mm. got that look about it. <laughs> yeah. And it's it's almost the same thing, and then he puts it into the uh, the thing on his uh, wrist, like the app that you know where he gets it from, and he's just like, you know, like inflates himself, mm. and he's like, let him come, let him suffer the same fate. So, uh, at this point, um, Bruce is in Santa Prisca. He's lamenting the the fact that Chandra is missing, and he's like, you know, he how much she means to him and whatever else. Like he's he's like he's in love with her. Everyone's in their feelings, this issue. Yeah, this, yeah, this yeah. is the feels issue. <laughs> Apart from Bane, the only thing Bane's feeling is is that sweet, sweet Venom. Uh, well, I, I like Bane's headspace in this issue that, like, he spent so... He spent, like, from Prelude to Nightfall all the way through this, uh, to this moment, he's been like, uh, usurper, pretender, you're not worth my time, you're not worth nothing. And then all of a sudden he's like, you cut me? You cut me? Get me some venom! I'm gonna fucking break this guy's neck, I wanna fucking, I wanna put a notice on a billboard! Fight me now! <laughs> How exactly, dare yeah. you scratch me? How dare So everyone, everyone's a little bit emotional. Yeah. What were you saying about how fragile Bane was, Leon, on a previous episode? <laughs> I didn't say he's fragile, I said he's a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> and this proves it even more so. <laughs> but yeah, so, so yeah, this is this is Bane, like, he's complete... Well, he's, he's, it's, it's his, his fragile Banicity, I suppose, isn't it? <laughs> uh, he's, he's just all over the place now. Mm. Um, he's been, he's been, he's basically, he's been, he's been set into kind of like, you know, he needs to take out this other Batman. He's spent so long consolidating his rule over Gotham. He will not have it challenged in any way. And uh, thus he goes into a billboard advertising station and writes his own message to kind of call out the Batman. And uh, also uh, at this point, um, Tim discovers Azrael's sketchbook and he's like, you've got to be kidding. Why is this guy not working for Marvel? <laughs> why is this guy not working for image he could give he could give Todd McFarlane a run for his money with these designs but yeah so um, he's uh, yeah so he finds the sketchbook and he's like oh man check these designs well, out also like it's one of those things where it's a casualty of marketing or PR yeah where, like in the in the trailer, trailers show you, and often like the poster will show you something that in the in the screenplay is written as like twenty minutes in, it's a reveal, or half an hour in, or two hours in, it's a reveal. But then it's it's just on the cover, so you're just like, yeah, cool. Um, and this has the same thing where it's like there's a big like lead up to the reveal of what the costume mm. looks like, but yeah. it's on the cover because it has to be, yeah. and it's just <laughs> kind of it's kind of like it's kind of silly. Um, no, through no fault of anything, but it's kind of silly how you have the things like his face, uh, his head perfectly blocking the designs. You've <laughs> got to be kidding! <laughs> it's like why bother to yeah, why bother to do that when it's down? We know what he looks like already. In the marketing, it would have. I mean, I've not seen any house ads for Nightfall, hmm. but I'm guessing like if I had seen. I might have a look into that actually, try and find house ads that were going at the time or whatever. But like, I'm guessing that Asbat's Asbat design featured on a lot of ads. 
It must have done. There must yeah. have been um like like when we were talking like way, way back, cast your minds back, listeners, uh, to when we were talking about um the history of crossover comics and big events and stuff. And like me, you and Leon were saying like we were aware of the death of Superman without reading Superman comics because everywhere you looked there was like posters and big cardboard stands and stuff. Like I didn't see this for Batman, but there must have been Asbat's new design everywhere. Oh, Especially yeah. in America, more oh, than yeah. here, obviously. But easily. <laughs> um, I mean, Ray, you got any thoughts on this stuff? Uh, so I think I feel like we need to go back a few issues because I have a I have, I have a bunch of different thoughts. Like, um, <laughs> hmm, I don't know if I like the costume design. I, I don't like this like mecha bat thing. But then I wasn't I wasn't adequately prepared for it because the way you guys were just saying, I wasn't really paying attention to the cover so it was a bit of a surprise but like i didn't care <laughs> uh going back to like uh jean's fight with bane um mm. i just wanted to add like i really like i think i expressed this with prelude um i really like stuff where it's a beat by beat um moment like really small moment to moment so him falling off the balcony into the fountain or into the um like the water that whole thing of where he like takes a, a beat to kick off the wall and like try and get as, as little drag as possible blah 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 I like all that stuff. I like how, as Leon was saying, the um, the gauntlets weren't as much of a saving grace as he expected, and he's kind of like just firing these little batarangs, which are kind of like the TMNT pizza launcher, and it does nothing. <laughs> um, that was all really cool. Uh, we talked about the metalhead stuff, and I guess I've just got a question now. Yeah, on my note saying Jean is now Mechabat. Like, I don't know what to make of it. It's it's cool. It's cool. It's fine. It's not cool. It's awful. It sucks. I hate it. It's I mean, not awful, it doesn't suck, and I love it. Now, I hate it as a Batman costume, but as an Asbats costume, like, this is my favourite rendition of him. Like, spoilers, Rahul, things might change on his costume as we go down the line. This is my favourite rendition of Jean-Paul Valley in the Bat costume. And, like, I just... I, again, if Bruce was wearing this, it would be the dumbest thing I'd ever seen in my life. But with Azrael wearing this, I love it. I do think he gets a little up his own ass when he's talking about gliding through the night and the the the, mm. the way that the air passes through every fiber of his being and everything. <laughs> eh, but like just that image of like part two to descent where he's just like back flipping through the air above the city is is pure Batman with a new Batman, and I think they've handled it really well. I like the design. It's not. I don't think it's too nighties, even though he's got the mm. stupid, stupid thigh pat. Five, five pouches. Oh. Everyone had those dumb five pouches. The pouches. And like pointy <laughs> shoulder blade. Like I don't see what the, the necessity of all of this stuff is. Shoulder pads is definitely a mood with these. Like, <laughs> I mean, if you look at some of the X Men stuff, look at Mister Sinister. <laughs> like, but are they are they softer or are they hard? Because like, are they functionally pointy or are they just decorative? Like, what, what, what's the point of it? They look cool. <laughs> Do they? <laughs> they um okay I, I, hang on i got i've got a real point to make uh because marv you brought up the the monologuing and like one thing i noticed was in 666 there is no monologue when he's fighting uh bane like it's all just yeah. action beats and sound effects and then it's only when he's in dire straits where he's about to you know fall off the balcony and into the water where he it's not even internal monologue the way that bruce has his um i need to do this i need to do that it's it's all third person. It's him talk. We're getting somebody else's narration of what's happening to Asbat, which I just thought was interesting. I don't know what it's trying to say, but I guess it does express they've so, got very different mentalities. What, what hmm. I see here 
Now, now we're into the descent. So what I see here is this, this build up to this. They've been slowly working it into the because they've they've got you've got your normal Batman, your classic Batman stories, and your classic Batman happenings. And what they've been doing is they've been slowly working in this new edge lords anti-hero stuff like slowly feeding it in drip by drip up to this point and even down to the way the comics are framed and written so what we're seeing now is with these massive monologues is something that i feel is very zeitgeist for kind of like the late 80s and the, the, the early 90s and whatever with this kind of like especially it, where these these kind of like these very uh dark anti-heroes are concerned like they have these these kind of like very cerebral monologues that kind of supposedly put you in their headspace but end up ultimately being a little bit nonsense yeah because in this um, case it's kind of dissociative because it's yeah. not him explaining what's in his head yeah, but it's like it's it's like someone trying to explain what's in his head, and it's kind of like this mm. this picture of him just kind of like falling, and and then you've got all this kind of like this dark poetry going on around him or whatever, and it's like it's like they fed this in, and it, this is this is kind of like looking at it in a very meta way, but this is them testing is this because this is what was selling at the time, this is what people were buying. Maybe if we did this with Batman, this is what people possibly want. Like the editors were testing out using this as, as ground to test out new ideas basically um what if batman was edgier and darker and willing to kill like because we've got the popularity of these other guys that are maybe people would like to see that yeah i think maybe you're onto something like you could read yeah. it with a sense of irony because it's like the panels where he's looking out towards the 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 advertising billboard thing and he's like there rain rain makes it perfect it's like that could be that could be a meta commentary on oh, like, what totally people is. want. Right? And, and later on in, in sections of night quest, they, they pick fun at it where, um, hmm. there's like a kid doing a, um, it's like a, a sketch, like a police sketch or something. This kid's describing what he saw when he saw Batman. And it's like a really nineties design with like a shoulder cannon and things like that. And it's like, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's brilliant. Um, it, it in it's i i kind of i like the new design i also don't like the new design and also this design evolves by the way so throughout night quest throughout the crusade he adds to this hmm. um, yeah that was one of the yeah. biggest shocks of my life was finishing this and then just picking up night's end and seeing the new design and being like oh oh okay yeah. <laughs> so he builds on this this slowly evolves throughout night quest um, but like this new design and then him just like drinking in the night and sailing in it and whatever, you know, being a true dark angel, a, a zealot instrument of pain and justice as Asbat does not protect Asbat Avengers as he's flying through the night sky, gold and blue, um, a complete perversion of what Batman stands for at this point, going after Bane. Sees the billboard, decides to go after Bane, and uh, it comes to a climax. Bullock's into it. Bullock's a fan of all this. Like, Bullock reads Spawn. He's got um, side action. He's yeah. got side action going on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's putting bets on, man, with the rest of the boys. That's what he's doing. <laughs> Him and the rest of the GCPD, they got, they got like... He's got a 20 on Batman. Um, but yeah, you've got... Um, like the commish turns up and everything and he's like you know bullock's like well 
he sees this new brutal Batman and he's all for it. He's like, well, the kid gloves are off now. Maybe, maybe that's how it's got to be. Something changed in him when Bane broke him. And this is very brutal, very visceral fight that this is what they've been building up to. This is the, the, the dark age. This is like the, the, the kind of like the dark anti-hero thing creeping in. Yeah. This is what they wanted to try out. And now they're doing it. Even in the writing, they're giving themselves, um, space to play with that and that's the thing like you were saying earlier like you guys were saying earlier there's so many things talking about like um, referencing like time for a new batman and a new type of hero and uh in these dark times like those old rules just don't work anymore we've got to apply new rules now in this new age uh there's so much of that type of rhetoric yeah. going on mm. And this is also what I was talking about with the, the kind of like the combination of the system and the Batman. Now we we're now fully seeing this new thing altogether formed from both. Neither Azrael nor Batman. No longer mm. Jean Paul Valley. Just this thing. This 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 instrument of just of of well. This instrument of War, vengeance. Justice. Yeah. Yeah. And and like, you know, he's just absolutely brutalizing bane bane is completely bane has completely come unstuck at this point because he's like no i've already won i've already broken the batman this can't be happening and he's getting absolutely cut to pieces like literally cut to pieces because we've got shurikens flying everywhere claws out and we've got this awesome awesome fight on the train like these are my favorite panels here this fight on this train is fantastic and Azrael's blatant disregard for the general public and had Tim not been there he would have killed a train full of people in his quest to defeat Bane fully mm-hmm. killed a train full mm-hmm. of people and it's just like the recklessness of it all and you know how dark it is in comparison to everything else and this this fight is fantastic some great panels here some very dynamic stuff going on on the train um, you know like the, the shattering of glass and and like someone he throws somebody on Bane throws somebody under the train and Batman makes no attempt to save him. <laughs> Bane throws the driver under the train. And, and the, and, and did you feel that we ran over something? Hmm. No, we're just going faster. Hold on. And, and it's, they did run over something and had that been Bruce, that would never have happened. Hmm. You know, and it's just, it's so, like, reckless and violent and just not Batman anymore. And even the bat symbol's changed. He shines the symbol from his chest. And he's got, like, his own built-in bat signal. And even that looks different. Hmm. And it's all just, like, a complete redesign and a complete rethinking of, of what makes Batman Batman and what Batman should be. And that's what they're testing out here in this page. In this book, I mean, I love the work here though. The pages are fantastic, mm. like the injury detail on Bane and all of that. I mean, like, so what do we think of this final section, this final battle where Azrael comes out victorious and Tim kind of gives him the seal of approval, like he's mm. earned the right to wear the cowl at this point? So, what do we think there? Why does Tim give him a seal of approval at the end when he clearly lets some, like, innocents die and let that entire carriage go careening off the track? Like, it didn't quite ring right to me. 
It, it feels like it's literally just like, oh my god, I can't believe you didn't kill Bane. Um, here's here's some brownie points for not like murdering the villain in front of the entire GCPD. Positive reinforcement for yeah. not killing Bane. That's what it is. <laughs> <laughs> it's like here's a here's a treat for not killing Bane. Yeah, <laughs> I as the reader, I'm not falling for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, but yeah, that's... see, like, I oh, know. Continue, Grant. Yeah, yeah. Please go on. Okay. Um, see, see, this is a thing that. So I think this fight and stuff is like really well rendered, and I think it's got some great points. Even though I hate the costume, um, <laughs> I, I think part of the reasons that I don't like the costume is obviously the um, the sort of fire pack. I hate that. Um, I don't like. I mean, there's just elements of it. It's not even the roboting part of it. I don't. It's not that. It's uh, and I think the head looks quite cool. Mm. It's um, it's just so bulky, um, and like the the yellow parts are just so like that they're, they're not like sleek or like cool in a Batman way. They're just like bulky orbs on him, and every like like every angle that he's fighting at, it just. I always hated it, and revisiting here, it just looks so stupid every time. Every time I see, it, I just I can't stand it. And then every time, even if I try to make my piece of that, I see the stupid fire um, pack, and it just <laughs> does my head. It like, why did anyone think a fire pack looked good? It's yeah. so bad. It's so Mom, bad. You, you mentioned you broken your leg, right? Like, yeah. The fire pack always reminds me of the thing where when you have a cast on, but you can't get it wet, so you have to put like this waterproof seal around it when you go for a shower <laughs> like it looks like that to me <laughs> when, I, That's what I have when i see it, I, it just I looks super, see that yeah when i see thigh pack like that it just looks super uncomfortable super unwieldy like it gets in the way like a tourniquet or something mm. you know it, it's just it's just pointless Looking at this in 2021, having spent uh, like a year or two uh, dipping in and out of Ring Fit Adventure on the Nintendo Switch, (laughs) I can safely say that doing any kind of athletic ability, uh, athletic activity with something strapped around your thigh, it will creep down. (laughs) Who is expecting this man to fight on the streets of Gotham and not have his pouches slip off? You've got to do the squats (laughs) to keep the thighs thick to keep the keep it tight enough. But then, like, it, when your legs in different positions, like, what what do you what do you do it for? Like, do you do it for when you're like kneeling and it's like thicker, or do you do it for when you're standing up? Yeah. <laughs> but like, um, like what what the point I was trying to make before uh, hmm. before the fire thing is um, is like I I think like technically the fight is really cool and i even i've always liked and like more so the little asides like when the lieutenant's being petty of the mayor and he's like uh we'll see how he wants to be like just by the book or whatever uh it's like um has bane killed anyone in the last five minutes no <laughs> yeah. so like, then we won't interfere we'll see what the mayor has to say about that huh? yeah, yeah he'll be he'll be crying blue lives matter tomorrow yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but um like I, I love all, all those inserts of how they move to the train and all the stuff, and then Robin, uh, like intervening and all that stuff. But I, it just always sucked for me that like it feels so quick, like this, like 
I know we just read 300 pages or whatever, but it feels like the pace of it is so quick. It just feels like this usurper, this nobody, this this blonde douchebag just rolled in and he just destroyed Bane. Um, the person who broke Batman's back, even though he waited for him to be at his like, super weakest. And, and like, it just <laughs> always sat wrong with me because it's like, Batman's supposed to do that. <laughs> yeah. um, so like, and... But like as 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 an older person, I can enjoy it from a different way, um, in a way to like not spoil like what happened, what, what's to come. But mm. like the idea of it, of of like um, like removing the revenge element of it, because Bat- Batman being at Bane, even though it's like justice in a thingy sense, or like let's say the movie adaptation Dark Knight Rises, it's like. It's how you end the third act or whatever. It's like the hero um, overcomes the uh, the bad guy or whatever. Um, it's cool to remove that element and it not be like a, a revenge thing because that part is is, is sorted already. So instead, it, you're you're focusing on something different when uh, Batman can walk again. But like, it's still it just ugh, I, I've never never I've never liked that element of it because I don't like that character and <laughs> I, it always feels like an unsatisfying like wrap up of that thing. Like it's a completely different book and I'm not trained asking the book to change, but anything, Robin, any, any Alfred, Alfred beating Bane. I'm cool. <laughs> but this stupid brainwashed douchebag. I just never liked it. And obviously I, I'm not, um, I've never a fan of like, the 90s extreme stuff so that's the thing this is like whenever like me and marv talk about nightfall and it's like yeah nightfall sick that's one that was one of my favorite batman stories but i don't like the end this is what <laughs> i'm always talking about i just don't like the the denouement i don't like how the denouement sorry i don't like how it um how it all it all wraps up in that way even though technically i find that all the beats yeah. really like cool it just it just it just doesn't sit right with me well, <laughs> apparently like the, the the reception at the time was people didn't like the bat the, the night the costume mm. yeah they i was there like, man. they didn't like the asbat suit and i was the one writing into the editor pages <laughs> yeah <laughs> and uh they the, i mean like i'm not sure what the reception was with Azrael taking over um because I couldn't really find anything about that. And I obviously wouldn't have been in any position to remember any of that. Like, cause obviously I just remember being a kid. And if I, you know, seeing this stuff, I, I, I just, me being the age I was and, and, you know, the action figures I used to cover and buy and whatever, like I would have found that stuff cool. Mm. But like, I think a lot of people weren't into it. And, and I think basically this is why it kind of like, the idea of them thinking, well, maybe should we try out this, this edgier Batman idea? It didn't work, obviously. Um, like, it didn't sit well with people, I don't think, is, the, is what we should take away from it. But the fact that, you know, this is, this is them trialing that, and this is what's interesting to see, is them trying to bring Batman forward into the 90s. Like, this is, like... My my yeah. my thing with it is like because like I I like again to clarify my position I like the costume on Jean Paul Valley like again if it was Bruce wearing this costume I wouldn't like the change at all but I like the design of the costume as this 
idiots new Batman. Uh, I really, I like, like from an aesthetic point of view, I like the costume apart from the thigh pouches. Um, but in terms of like how I read it, I read Nightfall part one and two. And then the next thing I read in this particular story arc was Night Send. So to me, it was like this story focused. But if I was keeping up issue by issue, like month by month, I would have loved this story. I would have like been, you know, I would have had my reservations about how it finished and how quickly he dispatched Bane. But then like the month to month of like, John Paul's Batman just being Batman doing Batman things. I don't think I'd, been, I'd have been in for that. Like the fact that I could go straight from uh, thematically and you know story t- storytelling wise, you know he he beats Bane, he gets Tim Drake's blessing, he flies off into the night, and then the next thing I read was you know the the mop up. Like uh, it's going from Infinity War to Endgame without watching you know like uh, what was it? Was it it wasn't was it Ant Man and the Wasp that was in the middle of it? Yeah, Ant-Man and the Wasp and Captain Marvel. Thank you. Without watching those in the middle. It's like, if you imagine that Ant-Man and the Wasp and Captain Marvel were just like months and months of like Jean-Paul Valley being a bad Batman, <laughs> then, you know, I don't know. I think because I didn't have that at the time, I was kind of all in on what happened in this story and what happened in Night's End. But I can understand why people wouldn't have like liked this Batman doing what he was doing. Because it isn't, it doesn't it doesn't sit well as a batman story and as a batman character i don't know doesn't i'm rambling now doesn't have a good mouth feel yeah 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 <laughs> no i i i can appreciate what it's doing in the grand scheme of things hmm. i i can read this now and i can appreciate that it's like it's setting up for the fact that this isn't just it's not just that that Bruce was beaten by Bane and and by and and only because he bit off more than he could chew. Because had he had he not like worked, ran himself into the ground, he might have stood a chance. Hmm. Had he had all of his his like you know awareness about him and everything else, he might have been able to defeat Bane. But. I mean, we know he can defeat Bane. He's defeated Bane subsequent times, a lot of times. Um, but like, up to this, it, it's it's like he's he's made one bad decision after another, and he's created an even bigger problem than Bane now. Because mm. now he's he's created this this monster by giving Azrael the cowl, and he's got nobody to blame but himself by bringing Azrael into the fold, and. You know, training Azrael as his his successor, and and making the wrong choice and giving Azrael the cow. He's 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 done this to Gotham. Like it's it's his mistake, and now he's got to own it and and clean that up, which is the night sense stuff, I guess. But it's like yeah, yeah. And this is this is what I was alluding to. Where it's like, um, I do like that element of the story, and I think it is cool. Hmm. Um, I'm just, uh, I'm no comic book writer, but it's like how, I guess how we get to Night's End, it's just never sat, sat, sat right with me. <laughs> well, I, I, I like Night Quest, so <laughs> that's just me. Uh, but yeah, the next section after this 
because this is the ending of Nightfall now, we have officially closed Nightfall. So that is the first section of Nightfall over and done with. The part that follows this, so this is who rules the night, that's over with. The part that follows this is a section of the story known as Night Quest. Now, like, without getting into the weeds too much, because we're closing out the episode now. Um, but Night Quest is comprised of the search and the crusade. So you've got the sections under the search, which deals with Bruce Wayne searching for Chandra consolving. And, um, you've got like, uh, looking for Tim Drake's father as well in Santa Prisca. And then you've got the crusade, which is the section that deals with, um, Azrael's tenure as Batman and his, violent crusade to clean up Gotham and how that impacts everything else that happens in Gotham and everyone else. Like his kind of like he's his like uh rule of if he's ruling through fear basically. So like Gotham has now changed hands again. It's no longer Batman's, it's no longer Bane's, it's Azrael's. And this new, more ruthless, more lethal Batman and how he deals with things and how he behaves in Gotham. Um and and how that is, you know, a particularly, like, the way it's written and the way it's done and the way this, this is, it's almost like a pastiche of um, anti-heroes and dark heroes without being a pastiche of anti-heroes and dark heroes because the way they deal with it and the way I look at it is is you could take it that way that they're saying, well, is this what you want or do you want Batman back? You know, like, is, is this what, is this really what the kind of comics you want? Like, it's them kind of almost jibing at Batman fans being like, but I know, I know it wasn't necess- the fans that necessarily asked for this. It was more that the, the editors wanted to try it out because they saw the popularity of these types of stories elsewhere. But it's, it's kind of like almost at that point where the writers were saying, you know, is this really what you wanted? Is this the kind of thing you want to read? And it's almost like they're playing with that idea, which I always find very interesting. But that's the next part anyway. So we're closing that out now. So that has been Nightfall Volume 1, which is Nightfall and uh, Who Rules the Night. Um, And that has brought that to a close. So we have done three episodes now (laughs) of Nightfall and um, we will be continuing on through the saga um, and uh, I hope you stick with us as the rest of it in, unfolds. So uh, that has been Ace Comicals Nightfall Part 3. And uh, as always, you can find us on Twitter at Ace Comicals. All of our previous episodes, our entire back catalogue is now also available on YouTube for you to listen to. And we finally got round to it. So every episode's there. So like, subscribe, listen. Uh, it's another way to find us. Uh, you can find us pretty much anywhere else you can find podcasts. Um, Twitter is where we are most active sort of social media wise. So if you want to get in touch, give us a bell through Twitter, DMs, ats, whatever. Uh, you can find me on Twitter under at Bato. That's B-A-T-T-O-U. Marv, where can we find you? Uh, at Marvin Lafayette uh, on Twitter and Marv Lafayette 84 on Instagram. And Leon, where can we find you? 
You can find me on Twitter at Leon Everett. And Ray, where can we find you? Twitter at Monke, that's M-O-O-N-K-E-H. So yeah, um, I mean, you can always get in touch with me on Twitter or Ace Comicals uh, if you want to ask us about things we're reading, if you've got questions, or if you're reading Nightfall along with us, then tell us what you think. Uh, you can also get in touch via email, which is acecomicals at gmail.com. So that has been Ace Comicals. That is Ace Comicals, over and out.